Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and on this fine fall evening, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. What's going on, man? Hey, I'm really tired. <laughs> you and me both it is 6.47 on uh, Sunday, November 4th, and I'm drinking a medium Starbucks coffee because I'm also equally exhausted. And yeah, so we had daylight savings, so it feels like it is close to 8 o'clock. Yeah. And we were out until 2 in the morning last night. We certainly were. We were um, at our local yeah. place. You know, Lauren and my sister and my mom had like a girls' night. And so we thought, well, if they're having a girls' night, then we must have a bro night. Because my dad was out in Arizona on vacation. So, you know, it was just like, dude, let's live it up. And uh, we went out, played pool, listened to some good tunes. And watched a lot of football. And watched a lot of college football. So it was a good time. And um, so today we... Uh, We'll see how this episode goes because we're recovering. Yes. And uh, we have some stuff, fun stuff to talk about, though. You know, Thursday there was a Nintendo Direct, the final Direct before Super Smash Brothers Ultimate comes to the Switch on December 7th. Uh, we got some good and some bad details about that. Um, of course, the good and bad will be all subjective, Ryan and I's opinion. So if you differ in what we say, feel free to write into the show, um, especially as the release comes near. But we also... You know, last week we talked about Supermassive Games um, Until Dawn, which was a game on the PS3 and PS4 that came out in uh, 2015, 16, I believe. And it is basically a horror adventure driven game where the choices that you make for each of the eight playable characters really kind of has pretty severe circumstances later on in the game. And so last week we talked through chapters one through five ish. We kind of um, bled over into six, I think, a little bit. And uh, we are going to finish our discussion about that game, talking about the decisions we made, the characters that survived, the characters that died, and everything in between. So we definitely want to preface this discussion by saying, if you've not played Until Dawn, and you do not want to know anything about the story, fast forward about maybe 15 to 20 minutes. Although I will say, I had three characters survive, Ryan only had two characters that died. Yeah, what's so, up? So, <laughs> there's definitely... Um, Many, many, many different endings in this game, depending on the decisions you make. So even if we do say what happened to us, I mean, there's certainly large story, story elements that are the same regardless of the choices that you make. Uh, yeah, I think but, the ending is going to be the same. It's how many people survive. Exactly. End scene, though. Uh, so definitely take that into consideration. I think everyone that enjoys like character-driven games where the decisions you make have lasting impacts, this is definitely something you want to play, especially if you played Telltale's The Walking Dead, right up your alley with this. So... Let's get started. You know, yeah. last so last week we got to the point where Mike, who now now that I've actually played the game to its completion, I can actually recall the characters' names. So okay. instead of Jock Guy, can't. instead of Jock Guy, it's actually Mike. Okay. Asian girl is actually Emily. Um, I'm I'm still gonna totally fine, totally Asian fine. Girl. So let's get to the point. So right now, what happened last was Jessica was the blonde girl that the cheerleader girl that was with Mike, and they were. Messing yeah. around the cabin. She got ripped out of the cabin and taken away by this this person. And so after Mike goes and searches for her, she appears to die falling down this elevator shaft. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you follow this person onto this like snowy hilltop, what appears to be some type of facility. You don't really know what it is. And you get there, 
and you essentially explore this. You find out it's actually a sanatorium. Where yeah. These people, these like psychotic people, were were kept essentially in barred cages because weird stuff was going on. So the first, uh, I guess this isn't the first decision here that I have. The first decision would be with the dog. Yes. There is like a wolf, I think it is. Um, and you can either like hit it or you just kind of shush it. Mm-hmm. And I chose to shush the dog. And um, there was a bone in the back of the room that you could grab and you give the bone to the dog and then he follows you around. Exactly. He likes you. So I definitely did that one. So I was playing, I played quite a bit of this game with Lauren present. Mm-hmm. And so when this happened and I opened up the door and essentially this like time button press came up on the screen where you could move the cursor over to the dog's like face and hit it. And Lauren's like, don't hit the dog, don't hit the dog. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what I would have done if Lauren wasn't in the room because like. Like, oh, I'm going to be bitten. Well, yeah, exactly. Because he's like growling at you. And so, and plus at this point in the story, you have no idea what's really going on. And so I was very hesitant to not hit the dog, but I... I well, it's like, hard right. to discern in general with those things. There's another decision later on mm-hmm. um, with a similar thing. Do you do it or not? Yeah. Like, because I shot the bird in the last one. And exactly. Didn't. Yeah. So. Um, so basically at this point, you're kind of exploring the sanatorium. You're look As you explore the different environments, you can choose to just beeline it through the story, or you can really take the time to kind of explore the different environments, find different clues... There are also these totem poles, which you pick them up and you like look into it. And it's basically a vision of the future, warning you of potential dangers, things that could kill you. Could kill you if you search certain areas. You'll find like um, uh, what was it, it? flare gun. Guns. Remember when you found the flare gun yeah. and stuff like that? Um, so it's kind of like hinting at certain things that you should be aware of moving forward. Mm-hmm. So those are pretty neat. And then eventually, Mike, as he makes his way through the sanatorium comes into this room right mm-hmm. and there's this hand that's like waving back and forth yeah. it's an actual arm and so you have the choice to either grab moving arm or not do anything with it what did you end up doing i grabbed it i totally grabbed it like what the heck is going on and here? so as you grab it then this bear trap clamps on Scared your hand the crap out oh of yeah me. yeah exactly and so then what is it you like hear growling in the back corner yeah the dog yeah and so at this point i'm thinking okay this dog's gonna come after me and so you quickly have the the choice at this point i don't think you've made friends with the dog no you've not you just quieted him down type of thing right no this is before because that's when you get into the big room oh you're right so you have to walk around and like find a way in Uh uh-huh so you see this wolf as like it's gonna kill you exactly um and i think it does chase you so it does Almost kill you. It does, yeah. Um, so your options were to undo the bear trap or cut off your fingers. Because this dog is going to come after you. And, of course, amputating your fingers is going to... Yeah, so you amputated your fingers. I did, yeah. Okay. Because so you grabbed, like, a machete that was, yeah. you know, <laughs> casually... At a sanatorium. S- ...sitting there. Yeah. No, I definitely chopped off my fingers. I was like, it's going to take too long. I'm going to get rabies or mm-hmm. something. So, yeah. yeah, I chopped it off. Um, and then... You go through there. What was the end of the sanatorium? What happens at the end of that? Well, so after you hang out with the dog or whatever, then you keep going, and eventually, and this was projected in the, oh, like the totem yeah, poles, yeah, yeah. then you like open up this one door, you try to shoot it, because you eventually find a gun, and when you shoot the, the gun, like the gunpowder carries over into the gasoline on the ground, because there's all these gasoline barrels, and he's like, oh, crap, and he like starts running away, and it explodes, and then it kind of goes into the next scene with some of the other different characters. Yeah, so the next scene is with the uh, black guy and the Asian girl. Matt and Emily. 
yep, they have names. And um, you're walking around. This is the first time you've played as them in a while. Mm-hmm. And um, this is where I was like, if you didn't click that button, she was going to fall off the cliff. Yeah. Because you're going around there. I was like, oh, yeah. crap. It was funny because as I was playing that segment, I remembered you saying them in the podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah. Because I definitely put the button, <coughs> press the button press. Um, and she yeah. was fine. But So you end up just walking around going to a cliff. And then there's a herd of deer mm-hmm. that are kind of like hurting you to fall off a cliff. Exactly. So I... <laughs> You get the option of, do you hit these deer, or like, do you calm the situation? So I was just walking through, and then there was that, you have like an axe. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so my reaction was like, crap, this deer's going to charge me. Yeah. So I just start hacking <laughs> this deer to death. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, they all just start, like, going in and, like, push me off a cliff. I was like, okay, nope, nope. Did Matt like, die? Yeah. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Like... I realized hacking a deer to get death in front of my girlfriend is not a good idea. Yeah, because it was weird. It was almost like you were royalty because if you chose not to hit them, you just walked forward and they casually just parted like yeah. the Red Sea. It was just like, wait, what is happening right now? Yeah, no, I uh, I changed that decision. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it wasn't about that. Yeah, I'm trying to think what um, did not attack wild animal. Okay, so then you go, you're finding your way towards the like fire tower. And that's the purpose. So if you backtrack a little bit, when you're at like the little ski lift resort place, you're mm-hmm. in this area and you recognize that the ski lift is halfway th- like away from you. So it's like 30 or 40 feet. So you're not gonna be able to jump to it. Yeah. So somebody's She screwing. wanted you to jump she to it. She did. Somebody's like screwing with you at this point because the key to the ski lift is gone and the ski lift itself is further out. So someone cranked it to go a certain distance from you, knowing that no one's escaping this. Yeah. And that's when Emily essentially is asking, like, should we go to the fire tower? And then you either, like, appease her and say yes, or you say, no, I think we should stay here, look elsewhere, whatever. And that's when, as you said in last week's episode, when you agree to do that, she's like, yeah, I'm always right, or whatever. And she just went on this long Yeah, and I rant started about hating just, her even more. Exactly. Okay, so fast forward, you find this fire tower, as you're walking up, these lights immediately go on because it's like motion sensing. Yeah. And so it's, you know, 100 so feet up in the air. You have to climb all these different ladders and stuff like that. And you eventually open this like little shaft and you get into the fire tower. All the power's out. So you kind of search around. You turn on the power. You get the radio going. And then you start getting a signal from someone. And they're basically saying like, can you repeat your name? Where are you? What's going on? And she... So at this point, you have to decide to either calmly explain what's going on. Hi, my name is Emily. We're at this cabin in the mountains, and there's like a crazy killer. Or you can just hysterically cry out like, I'm going to die. There's someone going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Help me. Help me. Yeah. So I chose to live very calmly. Yeah. No, I did the exact same. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And then at, at that point, you ba- they basically say like, we will get people to you. Um, as soon as we can. She's like, well, how soon is that? And she's like, he's like, best case scenario, dawn. You have to wait until dawn. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, perfect. And so at this point, you know at least that come dawn, there's going to be helicopters and people coming to rescue you. Mm-hmm. But you still have to survive another like six hours or five yeah. hours, whatever it is. So at this point, you and um, Matt, he, well, the lights go on down in below. So somebody you know, caused the motion sensing to go on. She's like, okay, what the heck's going on here? And this is where I get fuzzy from a reveal later. But we'll we'll maybe come back to that. Yeah. Because the person 
that's causing all this never intentionally wanted to kill anyone. He wanted to just scare them. And the act that he did here... No, this was not that. Okay, that not that person. It was the other persons. Not the pyromancer. Okay. No. The thing that starts with a W. Yes. Okay, yeah. got it. That's what I figured. So at this point, he's like, oh, what the heck? Someone's down there. And all of a sudden, someone's banging on the door to come into the actual tower. I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Um, But then it like stops. And she's like, okay. Well, and I guess I should, I should backtrack. You search the clock tower, or the clock tower, the fire tower, and you find a, a, flare. a flare gun. And you shoot that to try and get someone's attention. And that's when you get this. You do get something. You attention. do get something's attention. And that's when they try to break into the tower. It doesn't work. So then they go down and the fire tower is strapped down by these four giant wires. Mm-hmm. And so this thing cuts all the wires and the fire tower essentially collapses with Matt and Emily within it. Yeah, down into the mines. And then at that point you have um, like you have the choice to address some shortcomings in the relationship where she hugged her ex. Exactly. So did you go push that or do you like... I did not. I was very much like, it's going to be okay, Emily. We're going to get through this. Okay. I just started yelling at her. I was like, <laughs> you freaking cheated on me. Like, you're the worst. Because she's doing? actually like hanging off like, help me, help yeah. me. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm going to push this. Like, yeah. I wanted you to die since the beginning. <laughs> oh and uh, so, yeah, you have the option to like save Emily or let her fall. Or no, it was to go to save Emily or jump. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And I jumped. Oh, I totally jumped. Because at this point, I was like, listen, I've sat here and appeased you. I've talked to you. I try to talk it down be like, everything's going to be okay. I what, th- did, what was she doing when you were like trying to talk her down? Like, she basically just oh said, shut up. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. I want you to just save me. Okay. But I still continue to choose the good decision to try and be a good boyfriend. <laughs> and, but at that point, it's like either save her or jump because this, this is essentially going to fall completely into the mines. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to jump and hopefully I'll still have time to put my hand out and save her. Yeah. That didn't happen. So I jumped across, and then the rest of the tower plummeted into the mines with Emily. I'm I'm glad I chose to heckle her, because that would have pissed me off even more. Yeah. Like, she was like, is this really the best time to be doing this? And I was like, oh, it is. Yeah. It is. So then it kind of cuts to Sam, right? Um, This is Hayden Panettiere. Yeah. Was she in the bathtub at this point? I can't remember. Like, Yes, I believe so. Let's see. Yes, this Ashley is. So and Guy are in the house. Yeah. Yeah, so Sam is in the bathtub. She's listening to some music, and she hears something, and the figure is literally this person with this masked creature. Per, you know, you don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. He's, like, standing over her, but she doesn't know. So then she hears something as because this person closes the door and walks out. She's like, hello, who's there? She gets out of the bathtub. She's, like, looking around. Her clothes are gone. So she's just walking around in a towel, and she's, you know, at this point, you start exploring the house to figure out, like, who took your clothes, where is everyone, all the lights are off. And at this point, you go all the way downstairs because there are these, like, balloons, these red balloons that are essentially guiding you throughout the house. And it's guiding you to the TV room where there's, like, this Jumbotron TV with, like, movie chairs and everything. Yeah. So you go in there, and the door shuts behind you. So you're like, what the heck's going on? And then you hear this robotic voice basically saying, like, Sam, like, how does it feel to whatever? You know, basically just, like, creeping her out. And so eventually the door opens, and it's this person with, what, like, a knife or... I chose needles as the thing I was scared as. Oh, that's right. 
So, yeah, he came at me with a needle. A needle. And so at this point, you're like running. And you, at this, this is so stressful because there were all these time button presses. You know, do you go this way or do you hide? Do you jump over this? Do you whatever? Well, it got to a point where you come to a locked door with no handle. Mm-hmm. So you either, and he's like right behind you. So do you either pull down the shelving unit or try and op- like bust open the door by just ramming it with your shoulder? And I chose to pull down the shelving unit so that it could distract this guy for a second. Yeah. Well, the shelving unit actually happened to have like a hundred doorknobs. So you grab a doorknob and then you open the door and locked it behind yourself. What did you do in that scenario? Um, I think I got stabbed with a needle. <laughs> you did before that. No, so like I, I pulled that down, I went through the door, and then I like I chose to hide or something. Did you really? Yeah, instead of like keep on going. So I kept on going and I still got uh, injected with the needle. Yeah. Which essentially did just you throw put... a vase at him? No. So when I was in the the TV room, yeah. you could either throw a vase or just run, and I just ran. Okay, I threw a vase at him. Which I don't think it would have just changed your decision. I think regardless of what later ha- on, regardless shattered. of what happened there, she was going to get injected with yeah. this needle. Yeah, um, I think so. It was just a matter of when, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so she gets injected with this needle, and then. That's the end of chapter five is my understanding. Because now you go to chapter six and now you're back with Matt and Emily. Oh, no, you're not. Hold on a second. No, after that, then you're with Ashley and the dude. Yes, because you are like sitting down strapped, right? No, this is you're walking through the house and you find that dollhouse. Oh, frick. That was like the scariest thing ever. Yeah. So you're walking through the house and you find or like you start seeing ghosts. Yeah, you see. Yeah. Um, and this is the, like, this guy has a crush on Ashley Mm -hmm. and, um, you end up seeing like the ghost is kind of giving you clues and things are slowly unlocking, kind of hurting you in a certain direction and you find a dollhouse and basically it's had recreated the scene from the very beginning where, um, everyone is basically videoing or hiding and like playing a prank on, um, what is the... Bohemian Rhapsody guy's sisters. Yeah, exactly. Bethany or whatever her yeah, name Beth, was. Yeah, Beth and Hannah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so that was creepy. Like, all their eyes were black, and they were, like, melting. And it was really weird. Yeah, and then you open it up, and it was basically the journal of one of them, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then after that, um, let's see, what do I have? Ghost guy in the apartment. And then they ended up getting captured, mm-hmm. right, by the clown dude. Mm-hmm. And you have to choose between, do you, like, there are two saws that were coming down from the ceiling. Because you both are sitting in, in chairs, mm-hmm. and your arms are stra- strapped, as are your, your legs, so you can't go anywhere. You're looking at one another as if you were playing a chess game. These two saws are coming down to essentially saw your head off, or saw your yeah. your brains. And Chris is given a gun, a loaded gun, and he either has the option to shoot Ashley put her out of her misery so she doesn't have to essentially have her head sawed off or shoot yourself so that Ashley essentially still has her head sawed off but watches you as well. Yeah, and at this point, you had already saved her once by sawing um, the brother of Josh. the two sisters, Josh, in half. Um, so, I mean, that's if that's not like a love interest thing, mm-hmm. killing someone else and saving you. So I chose to save her and shoot myself. Did you? Yeah. I didn't shoot anyone. Oh, that was an option? Yeah, you just don't do anything. Oh, okay. You just let the, the meters go down. I didn't know that was an option. Yeah. I guess I should have figured that was an <laughs> option. Well, I chose to shoot myself, and uh, 
nothing happened. Yeah, nothing happened. Because they were blanks in the gun. Yeah, so you end up cutting to um, the jock guy, right? Mm-hmm. You're running because you had just like jumped out of the way of the fire. That's right. Um, and you find the girl in the bathrobe, right? You see her through because she's chained up. She had already gotten a needle. That's right, yep. And you end up having that machete still with mm-hmm. your bloody fingers. She's like, hey, what's up with your fingers? And you say, don't worry about it. And you end up cutting her loose and make your way into the same room, give her some clothes. She gets dressed and you make your way in and you see um, both of those guys, Ashley and what's his Chris. name? Chris. Chris. Strapped up. Yeah. And they're both alive. Yeah. Like I had tried to kill myself. I was still alive, really confused. And clown guy walks into the room. Yeah. And so at this point, the clown guy pulls off his mask, and you actually find out that the person that did all of this was Josh, Bohemian Rhapsody guy, because he was essentially wanted to get back at all these people for, for performing <laughs> the prank on his two sisters, which eventually led to their death. Yeah. And so he was essentially just trying to get back and get vengeance, essentially, for her or for them. Yeah, no, I was really shocked because you said because you played this before me. Yeah, and you had at least gotten past this point. I don't know if you had completed it at this time, but it shocked me. I was I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I was. Lauren and I were both watching. And was just like, what the heck? Like, yeah, I was like, how did he survive getting chopped in half? Yeah, that's what I was wondering was like, too. Huh? And so at this point, they kind of go back and show how he orchestrated all these different things. So when he got his body sawed in half, if you ever see those things on like farms or you know, at, at the, uh, even at the zoo or carnivals where you put your face in like this wooden thing and there's like an actual body that makes you look like you're a cow or s- some hulking figure, whatever it is. That's basically what he did. He, he stuffed his head through this wall and he had this dummy full of like intestines and guts, and, guts and whatever. So when it looked like he was actually being sawed in half and he just like screamed, but after they walked out of the room, he just like walked out and did whatever he did yeah but he set all of this up and yeah i was really blown away so at this point everyone's just like what the f you know like josh yeah. why would you do all this kind of stuff and he was like i was just getting back at you and then mike got trying really to de- make you feel like my sister's dead exactly yeah. and mike got really defensive and he's like but you killed jessica and all this stuff and he's like what are you talking about i didn't yeah i didn't kill jessica i did i didn't want to kill any of you guys it was more just a matter of like freaking you guys out and so that's when you know that, like, okay, something's still out there. Yeah, something's at play. Yeah, still. because even because though... Even, like, when uh, Jessica and the guy were walking to the cabin, like, there was a bear that just got freaking mauled. Yeah. Like, you look at this bear and you're like, holy cow, what the heck attacked it? Yeah. And then, or I guess it was a deer. And mm-hmm. then you, like, rip off the deer's head and you're like, that was just alive a second ago. Yeah. If the clown guy did that that you're like oh gosh yeah so that was a little weird yeah so what happened next so you end up tying him up and bringing him to like this cabin mm. or the, oh, the yeah, house right. where he had cut himself in half mm-hmm. and you basically put him on a chair and tie him up and you kind of just leave him um and then you meet this then it cuts to the asian girl in the mines so she had fallen down that mine shaft, mm-hmm. and basically you're her. She had survived the fall. She was tied up, and you have to swing your way onto that piping. Yep. And then you're walking through the mines, and it basically ends 
like going through the mines and doing quick time events and things with this dude with a flamethrower mm-hmm. who's like walking your way. So I chose to hide. So did I. Okay. Because I mean, at this point, there's n- you're at um, what do they call that? Crossroads. Not so much that, but a dead end. Like there's no way out of the cave at this point. So you're either gonna hide behind like these logs, mm-hmm. or you're gonna go back towards this guy and, and confront him, which. You have no weapons or means of fighting and you him. No, you've never seen this guy before. Exactly. I guess I think you actually saw him in the sanatorium. Mm-hmm. That was the same guy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after that, um, the pyromancer saved you, and then I think it cuts to. Well, yeah. So hold on. Let's let's dig into that a little bit. So he says, "Like, what are you doing here? It's not safe here." And you hear this, like screeching. Yeah, screeching and ruckus behind you. So he basically shoves you down this like shaft or this hole, and you just hear him fighting Ooh. off something. Because you see in the background like something come down from the ceiling, drop from the ceiling, yeah. And that's where I went to um, the local place Friday, and that's what I had just seen. Okay, and that's why I was thinking it reminded me kind of of the descent. Yes. So there was like creatures in the mines, and, and it has very that pale. that vibe for sure. Mm-hmm. These creatures. Yeah, so then after that, you're running out of there, and basically you're being chased by this monster, mm-hmm. like a, essentially a thing that looked like from The Descent. So did she survive in your game? Because she's running out of the mines, right? Yeah, she did. So she survived the mines for me. Okay. Okay. So I had a drink, and I missed all the quick time okay. events, and she got her eyes gouged out, and she died. Oh, crap. By those, like, the nasty things? Yeah, by the nasty things. Wow. Okay, so she, I survived everything. I got out. She got back to the group. Oh, she did. She did. This is what gets really interesting. So at this point, you know, um, someone is so, I remember you were in this gate, uh, gated facility, the, down in the basement of the house. So it's it's Mike, Sam, Chris, Ashley, and Emily. All five of them. Uh, Josh, you don't know where he is. Or he's tied up somewhere, right? At the barn or whatever. Well, the pyromancer comes to the house first. Yeah, I'm trying to get all this stuff straight. Yeah, because there, there's... In each one of the ten chapters, there's multiple, like, scenario Or, like, you deal with multiple groups, so there's, like... 40 different group scenarios that we're trying to keep straight right now. Yeah, but <laughs> no, the, he comes to the house and he's basically like, Hey, there's something out in the woods. Like, like they, at the um, door, I think you can ask for the guy's gun. Like, Hey, let me hold the gun. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's someone at the door. Like if I'm holding the gun, controlling the character I am, yeah, I'm less likely to shoot him. So, like, you open the door, and this dude's just holding a flamethrower. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to let him survive instead of shooting him. Yeah, exactly. So, after... I don't know the sequence of everything, but all I do know is that when I'm down in, like, this gated little place with all those five people, there's this journal that's on the table. Mm-hmm. It's the journal of the pyromancer guy. Okay, that's what that happens. So Because they go, the two of the people... Or the guy goes back with the pyromancer to save the dude who's tied up. So, Chris and the pyromancer go check on Josh to see if he's okay. Josh is gone. She's like, oh, crap. Let's get back to the cabin. You start walking back to the cabin, and you hear that creature coming. And at this point, he you were told that it is called a Wendigo? Yes. Yeah, which is basically like a spirit of the forest kind yeah. of thing. And so if you kill these Wendigos, the, apparently the releasing of these spirits is worse than if they're even alive. 
So this pyromancer over the years has just kept them at bay in this um, mine, doing his best to make sure that they don't get out and disrupt the people that are ended up coming to the mountains, essentially. Yeah. And so as you're walking back to the cabin, one of these Wendigos attacks you, and you're instructed at this point to hold the PS4 controller as still as you can. If you don't, then you make a noise. But honestly, I didn't keep it still once, and then I restarted and kept it still, and it played out the same way. Okay. So regardless of what happens, the pyromancer guy ends up getting his head cut off by one of these nasty Wendigos. At this point, Chris starts beelining it, running to the cabin, and you have to do all these time button presses. At one point, and you have a like a, a two-barrel shotgun or whatever it's called. Yeah. And uh, at this point, you're like prompted to shoot the Wendigo, and bullets don't do anything. The only way you can kill these things is if you burn it alive. And so you eventually make it to the cabin, which Chris did Chris make it for you? Yeah, they give you an option of shooting the... Um because I had dropped that fire barrel or like yeah. an explosive barrel. You could shoot that okay. and blow it up. I chose to just shoot the thing and delay it and run into the house. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, you run in the house. You all run into the basement and you get into like this gated little area. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking through this journal, this map of where you need, where you need to go, where Josh might be. Because mm-hmm. you need to, they want to find Josh. So then Ashley walks up behind Emily, the girl that died, you already died for, you got her eyes gouged out, and is like, Emily, what's that on your shoulder? She's like, oh, it's nothing. And she got she got cut by one of these Wendigos. So at that point, they're thinking like, oh, well, this is like a virus. Like if you get bit, almost like a walker in The Walking Dead, you're going to turn into one of these things. Yeah. So, so Mike was essentially like freaking out, and he's like, no, we, you can't be with us anymore. Emily, I'm giving you the option right now. Walk out of the walk out of here and get away from the group because you are going to turn into one of these things. And she's like, you know what the heck are you talking about? I'm not going to turn into one of these things. So Mike grabs the gun and he's like, I gave you the choice. You either walk out now or I'm going to kill you. And so at that point, you're given an option and it's, it's ticking. It's not like you get to casually think about it. Yeah. You either put a bullet in her head or you let her live or you don't shoot her. I didn't shoot her. And at that point... Tensions were high among everyone, but then Sam reaffirmed your decision. She's like, Mike, you did the right thing. We shouldn't have killed her. Then they machete machete her in the chest. Well, here's the interesting thing. So then you guys open up the journal because Mike's like, all right, you know what? You guys stay here. I'm going to go check to see where Josh is. And he goes back into the mines. Okay. You open up the journal and you find out that you can't catch the virus of the Wendigo by getting bit. So if you killed her, and I looked this up, if you killed her or shot her, she would have fallen back the journal would have fell off the table and opened up to the page basically saying like, Oh crap. The virus yeah. doesn't spread that way. So you would have been like ostracized by the group probably because Mike would have been the one to kill her. Yeah. So it would have been like, Oh crap. Yeah. So thankfully I didn't shoot her. Cause I thought like, let's just take our chances. If she does turn into one, then we'll cross that bridge when we get there. It won't be a big deal. Yeah. Um, Except she's a f- freaking fast monster. That's yes, exactly. Yeah. So at this point you go back into the mines no, you go to the sanatorium. It goes to... Oh, that's right. right you go back Mike. to the sanatorium. You get a jacket. You get... Uh, you meet your dog friend again. Yeah. He yes. follows you around. Yeah. And if you make it through with him, you get a trophy. Exactly. So I got the dog saving trophy, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Because you're being the chased... The only one that matters. You're being chased by one of these Wendingos throughout the sanatorium. Yeah. And then at the very end, you're trying to escape. And basically, you have the option. Do you shoot the Wendingos or do you shoot the... like? 30 barrels of, of gasoline like, yeah and i shot that yeah so i did too because there was like two or three of these things 
Yeah, there were. And you know, there are a lot of them down. Like, he had been caging them up, mm-hmm. which is what the journal said to do. Yeah. Like, you just cage them and lock them away. Yeah. Um, and then another thing in the journal, it said that basically they can mimic voices. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's just another thing that they could do. Yeah, so that played out later when I was in the mines and I was playing as, I think, Sam, where I had the option to follow the voice of Jessica from earlier in the game because she was saying, like, somebody, help me, help me, or just keep going to get back back to the group. Back to the group. And I just went to the group. I'm like, I'm not playing that game right now. It was like, uh, like I'm thinking, I was like, do they, are they questioning if I read this entire journal about these things? Exactly. So, yeah, I had, so I went back to the group and nothing really bad happened there. Mm -mm. Um, So after that point, you're in the mines and I guess, what, I think basically everyone's in the mines, right? Yeah, I can't really remember the sequence of everything. All I do know is that Josh was taken by this Wendigo because essentially these Wendigos strip the flesh off of the human and then they eat like all of their organs. Yeah, because this is when it starts getting really real. Yeah. And so Josh, at this point, you find out that after the events of his two sisters being taken, they disappeared or whatever, he started seeing a uh, psychologist. And so between chapters earlier in the game, if you remember from last week, you talked to this, or the psychologist talked to you, asked you questions that eventually decided how Josh was going to scare all of these people because ultimately the game is trying to scare you, you know? And all of that was essentially a figment of Josh's imagination. He did see the psychologist, you know, months ago, but at that point in the game, it was him having this internal dialogue of how am I going to best scare these these people that wronged my sisters, which was a really interesting, like, gameplay choice or uh, design really choice clever. it really was figuring out as the player what is terrifying and then just saying it was a thing to terrify the person yeah in the game exactly and so at this point like you're trying to make your way to josh with mike is it just mike i think mike, and maybe sam yeah mike and sam the... and so sam eventually breaks off and says i'm gonna go tell the group what's going on mm-hmm. and you go get josh so you're kind of sifting through this nasty water, and I opened up this door. No, you no, you go through the nasty water with her. Oh, that's right. But then she eventually yeah. Goes back once or you find Josh, you push her up a cliff. Or yeah, she climbs. That's right. Uh, and um, yeah, that's right. So so you find Josh, and he's like hallucinating like pigs. He's hallucinating his sisters. Yeah. Um, and then you end up like slapping him and saying, "Hey, snap come onto to it. it." Yeah. Um, and then you go back through the water. And in the water, you had seen, like, one of the Wendingos. Yeah. And so what happened here for me is I was playing as Josh, I think. And a little cutscene played where the Wendingo grabbed Mike and, and pulled, him under, pulled him under the water. And at that point, Josh is like, oh, crap. And he starts walking forward more. And then the Wendingo grabs him and I don't think I had an option to do anything here. No. It like literally just squeezed my head and it exploded. And you found out that it was actually your sister because it had the butterfly tattoo on the Wendigo. Yeah, on his arm. So your sister ended up turning into one of these psycho things. So it really made me wonder how they turned into Wendigo. Me too. Me too. I was like, I don't get this. I mean, maybe when they strip off all the flesh and start like eating your organs, you somehow mutate into this thing. I don't even know what how that works. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting thing that year. Because one of your sisters, 
at that point had already died. Like yeah, you, you found her body. Yeah, and you ended up like twisting off her head on <laughs> yeah. accident. Like you're yeah. like, oh hey, because you thought she was alive. Yeah. Turned around and you like her head falls off. And you're like, oh hey Beth, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just rolls away. Um. So at that point, those are the two people who died for me. Mm-hmm. Asian girl and him. So, I was fine with both of those guys dying. I thought it was I a guess. shame that the, the three siblings all died. Yeah, but. I'm like. Well, that's the thing. I don't know how we would have saved him. I don't either. I, I mean, I, it has to be something much earlier in the game, I think, that you a, a decision you make that would cause that to happen. Yeah. I Because I have no idea. I'd have to look that one up. Like, maybe you end up killing the sister Wendingo earlier on. and you end up With fire? Yeah, and you end up discovering, like, you see the tattoo, and it's like, oh, crap, that's, that's Hannah or whatever. Instead of shooting the one going into the house, you probably blew it up. Something like that. Yeah. Um... So I guess so. The Asian girl survived for you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I so get. So then I I could have easily saved her, and that's kind of what I was thinking. That was just a button press. Yeah. So I ended up getting back to the house, and how did things play out here? Do you remember? So everyone kind of converges on the house. Like um, Hayden Panettiere was being chased, and you end up getting back to the house, and um, I think you guys go down to the basement, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, no, you go back to the TV room with right. the, uh, jo- the jock guy. Yeah, Mike. Mike, and then you see every like two people They're running like, run! at run! That's right. Okay, yeah. yeah. So for me, I think it was like Ashley, maybe Emily, that were like running towards me. We're like, run! So for me at that point, I close and lock the door. Yeah, I did With too. Sam, and then you ran back upstairs, and then you run upstairs, and aren't they like in the main room too? There's like two or three of them. Yeah. So then Mike is standing there like looking up, like don't, don't move. Freaking move. And at that point you're instructed to hold, you're playing as Sam and Hayden Panettiere and you're holding the controller as still as possible. Cause it's on like can. a chandelier type thing. Yeah. Just chilling, looking at the, everywhere. And at that point, the three just an all out like WWE, like brawl, just ripping yeah. each other to shreds. One so they got like, through the like locked door that you had locked mm-hmm. and then they come up the stairs and they're like, I thought they'd get along, like hunt for you together and be friends, mm-hmm. like sing a few songs. Yeah, it's kumbaya. Yeah, get a mar- marshmallows. Didn't happen. Not at all. Like one chucked it, the other one into the stairs, mm-hmm. and then one like crushed its skull like an iRobot. Yeah, and it was like okay, wow. And like the entire time you're making decisions, like it's asking you to be quiet. Exactly, because these and, like, things sit still. Yeah, because if you move, they can see you. But if you don't move, you're good. But so eventually one of them throws the other into the fireplace and it knocks the gas to the fireplace off. Mm-hmm. So gas is essentially coming into the room. So all like Sam and Mike both take notice of that. And so Mike gets away enough to grab an, a light bulb and smash it. And at that point, <laughs> you can either immediately run as Sam Put to the light, the light switch. switch and flick it on. Or save Mike, which I don't know how the fr- like heck you would do that. Mm-hmm. So what'd you do? I ran to the switch and I flipped that sucker on. <laughs> the house blew up. It's so, like seven people died. So Mike rolled to his death. Ashley gone. Um, Her Emily, boy. Asian girl, dead. And at that point, Chris had run out of the house already. He's like, I can't take this. He like <laughs> ran out. So it ended up being Matt because he got separated. Long time ago. He never even made it back to the house, but he was still fine. Yeah. Matt survived. Emily's, or, um, Sam survived. And Chris survived. So did you save Mike? Yeah, I saved Mike. So what did the, um, how did that even play out? So he crushes it. 
and then you basically make a distraction noise. Okay. And it comes over to you. And basically, it's a sequence of the sitting still events. So it's freaking terrifying. Because yeah. you're sitting there like, the pro- the I guess not the problem, but the sequences of you sitting still are longer than it is for you to take a breath. So you try to hold your breath and you're like, okay, I can't hold my breath for forever. Yeah. And it's maybe like 10, 15 seconds. You're like, shit, shit, shit. shit. <laughs> and like, it's sitting on your leg and you're like, oh my gosh, this is... It's like the most stressful sequence. So then you end up like once you make a distraction, everyone's quiet. Um, they're kind of like looking around the house and then one of the girls or guys run out. So like that's one more person saved. Okay. Um, and then you hide or like you're slow. That's on a pillar. Then you run over to a wall, have another quick time event. He goes, he runs out. Mike they, does. Mike does. And then basically, slowly, you're making your way over um, to the light switch. And okay. basically, all the, after everyone's kind of out, you beeline it to the thing, turn on the switch, and then it just blows up. Wow. And then at that point... But there's like maybe four sit-still events. That's very stressful. I'm glad I just lit the switch and let and other just people let everyone die. die. No, but it's interesting because after you beat the game, you can go back and play any episode you want. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to do that just to get some of the other uh, trophies. Because I would like to see... I don't know if for the trophies you have to let everyone survive and play through the entire game again. You would for that, but at least to save Mike, um, I'm sure I'll get a trophy for that. Um, if I kill Emily, or if I kill Emily, like if I shoot her, I get a trophy. Really? Yeah. I think if you shoot Ashley uh, with the blank gun, you get a trophy. <laughs> There's like a lot of like really interesting decisions that you can make that will uh, unlock trophies. So I'll probably do that just. To, so for did the heck not of shooting it. anyone? Did you get little hearts? Um, like the butterfly effect thing? Yeah. I think so. Okay. Well, I got hearts for shooting myself, so I was curious if it was like, uh, if you didn't shoot anyone, you both went out together. Yeah, like, no. Uh, <coughs> but what's really interesting, because Lauren was with me at the time, she's like, I really hope you get to at least hear some dialogue or interviews after the fact, just the game doesn't just end there. And it does. So as you exit the house, everything blows up. These helicopters are flying over and say, oh yeah, we see people down there. And essentially, you're almost being interrogated by the police and Sam or whoever you ended up saving yeah. are kind of talking through their experience, what happened. And that was really interesting for me to see these very normal people talk about what happened to them. Yeah, and it was really cool. Yeah, I mean, it played out like a movie and a really good one at that. I mm-hmm. thought it was genuinely terrifying at times. It was very engrossing. You had all of the signature personalities and character types that you would expect in a horror movie like that. Yeah, very much so. But I think the way that it played out and certainly you having, you essentially being the puppet master to how things were going to play out was really interesting. Yeah, no, I really enjoy this. I'm I'm not good with scary games. Mm-hmm. Like it stresses me out and I had to take like two chapters at a time. Yeah. So it took me like two weeks to do this. Um, but as far as storytelling goes, interesting angles... Doing quick time events. I'm not a huge fan of the quick time events. Yeah, it stressed me like out. Like climbing up cliffs, cliffs, and then falling down if you screw something up because they're really quick timers. Really and fast. The circle and the square are very similar. Yeah. Um. So I think it was just circle, square, and triangle. Yeah. Well, the, I never saw X. I don't think. No, I didn't either. Um. So I guess besides that, you no, know, the storytelling had a lot of twists and turns. Um. I do like that you can get a crap ton of endings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so 
other than that, this week I played, um, I, I downloaded it months ago because I got it for free, or not for free, um, it was on PSN for, on sale for three or four bucks, mm-hmm. and I got Thief, which is a game that came out just as the new console generation was releasing, so it was kind of that odd time period where they had to like make two versions of the game, one for the updated you know console generation, one for like PS3, 360. Yeah. And Thief was like kind of an old school PC series that was very beloved by fans, and unfortunately, this came out just as Dishonored came out, which essentially took everything that was good about Thief and completely overhauled it and made it like infinitely better with yeah. all these like interesting powers that you had. And Thief doesn't have that. It's very much just run-of-the-mill, sneak your way through areas, lock, uh, pick locks, steal a bunch of loot type of stuff. But for me, I'm two chapters in. The world is, I think, very well realized. It's this Victorian kind of gothic setting era um, Garrett is the main character. He's a, he's relatively interesting. You have a bow and arrow, and you have multiple different types of bows mm-hmm. um, that you can use to like knock out characters. Uh, what's really interesting, I showed you before we started. You have water area arrows. Um, so like, if you're walking through areas and areas, <laughs> and you and you don't want to alert like the people that are around you, the guards, you can put out fires with like your water arrow, or you can turn off like lights with the lamp, you know, you just click the, uh, the off switch and stuff like that. Uh, but I love kind of going through these types of games as sneakily as possible, yeah. alerting like no one. And, uh, it's just very satisfying. So love stealth games. I'll probably have more impressions about that next week, but for the most part, it's enjoy, it's enjoyable. I think it's about a 10 to 12 hour game, which is the perfect time length for me for like those types of games. And, uh, yeah, no real complaints there, but that's pretty much all I played this week. Yeah, after Until Dawn, I went back to Dark Souls 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made a new character. For my first two playthroughs of Dark Souls 3, I used uh, Longsword, just playing through that, I guess, on my own character, and then I screwed up something, so I had to rebeat it. Um, and then the game we were playing together, when we were doing all the bosses, was Longsword. So oh, like, okay, yeah. I want to try this again on my fourth playthrough. Um, so I got an exiled great sword, and I'm going through with like a two-handed, no shields, just running around. Nice. Which is a lot of fun. I got through Pontiff Sullivan, which is this guy with like a dart, like a purple sword and a fire sword. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like I just got to Anne Orlando, which is after him. Okay. Um, so I guess that's two thirds the way through the game. So I beat that in like eight hours. Nice. So I'm making good time. Um, I really want to um, revisit that series. I started Dark Souls 2, played it for about three hours, and it was enjoyable. I would like to, because I heard a rumor, not even a rumor, it was confirmed that they were going to be releasing a complete Dark Souls like trilogy on the current generation consoles. So Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, including all the DLC for all the games. Oh, nice. So I'd really like to get that just to have one comprehensive package to kind of go through the series. I'd like to go through, in chronological order, maybe like, one every six to eight months type of thing to get yeah. through the games because it's not like a series that you could play through one after another it's just way too stressful yeah no i think i've played through the third the second one i couldn't get into yeah i, I got through maybe like an hour or so yeah um it's very different from the third one and it's probably not good that i played bloodborne then dark souls three yeah and then went back to two which didn't I mean, it's well. like playing Breath of the Wild and going back to Ocarina of Time. You Which know? was my fault. Yeah. So, whoops. Um, and then I did the remastered one, and I got through, I guess, like a half of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I do still need to beat that one. Yeah. It's good fun, though. Mm-hmm. I like those games. I mean, I think it's only a matter of time before we're going to see an HD remaster of Demon Souls. Um, Hopefully. The original, you know. 
And uh, I, mean, I feel like it just makes sense because right now you can play all of those From Software Souls games on the current generation consoles. So, it, you know, it's going to be tough because you have, what is it, um, Shakiro, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice or whatever mm-hmm. coming out in March. And I feel like like a holiday release next year, like an October release, they'll put out Demon Souls. What they said, they don't want to be known as the uh, Dark Souls company. Yeah. So they want to kind of branch out and do that. And I'm own. super happy they're doing Sekiro. I think that looks excellent. Yeah. No, that's going to be... It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you've watched that one boss that they showed, mm-hmm. um, it's in like a Japanese maple, like these pink trees on a bridge. And it's really beautiful. Completely different than Dark Souls, especially completely different than Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like a much more colorful atmosphere and world. And it'll be nice to change the pace from like just a very dark grotesque environments that the souls games are known for yeah i'm just since those games are so well refined with their gameplay i hope they continue to pump out like different spins on the original mm-hmm. like shakiro or bloodborne yeah i think they probably will and i think it'll probably be a few years before we see like a dark souls 4 and it'll, if they do well i think they're done with dark souls i think bloodborne 2 is going to be the next one yeah i feel like they're never gonna always be done like i think like maybe like five years from now Mm -hmm. they'll make a game just called like dark souls you know not even like a remake but just like a complete reimagining of what dark souls represents yeah i could see that i'd be cool with that but i definitely want bloodborne 2 first yes but before we get into the main topic as we always do let's get into listener questions so if you want to write into the show otaku brothers you can either write into the email otaku brothers podcast at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Ari Lewis, 2011, where I post. Oh, I have to take a breath. I was like, I tried to do that all in like one fell swoop. <laughs> Wasn't working. Um, you can follow me on those social media sites where I post like yeah, periodic. Discord, there's a place too. Periodic updates about stuff, reminders, and then Discord. Link in the show notes to all of that fun stuff. But we got a question on. We'll do Travis's question last because that kind of feeds into our main topic. Okay. And. Let's see. On the discords, we got Comeback Kid to write in. He says, rank the current console Smash Brothers games from best to worst. And um, he says the correct answer, because this is an objective question. He says, (laughs) Melee, Smash 4, then Nintendo 64, and then Brawl with the vomit emoji. So I would definitely disagree with that. I think Melee is certainly my favorite. Yeah. Then I would say... Brawl. Brawl and then N64. I haven't played Smash 4. Like I've been on 3DS. Yeah, and and I did enjoy it quite a bit, but I haven't played it enough on like the Wii U to be able to rank it, you know? Yeah. Um I played it for about five hours because we played it at like my bachelor party. Um and I played it a few other times as well, but I don't want to like definitively order it in this list without having yeah, I mean, the N64 version was definitely a lot of fun. Going back to it is definitely not the best. No, not at all. Not even close. Um, I don't know why so many people, I guess I do know, there's plenty of things about Brawl that they changed from Melee that make it, um, I guess, inferior, if you will. But I think what? there's, I think there's like, what, tripping or something, and then... Pitfalling or whatever? There's there's a bunch of Smash aficionados out there, like snobs that probably know all of the lingo and language about all the nitpicky things that they changed between Melee and Brawl. I'm not one of those people. I'm not a hardcore Smash player. I pick it up with my buddies, and we play for a few hours, and it's always a good time. I was never someone that needed to, like, 
because there was a way you could mod it to have like the melee like control settings or whatever mm-hmm. to essentially make it play like melee but still be able to use the characters of brawl yeah i never went through the trouble of doing that because i just i looked at each entry as its own singular experience and i wanted to take it for what it was and for that i thought brawl was an outstanding game you know we'll talk about it more during our actual discussion as far as the hype surrounding that game and my experience get playing it for the first time and enjoying it as much as I did. So I understand people's complaints, but I don't have the same gripes. I guess. Yeah. My thing is kind of, yeah, take it each game at its own face value. And if you really liked melee that much better play melee. Yeah, exactly. Like if you have all four of them at your disposal, play the one you enjoy the most. Yeah. And if that's on GameCube, play it on GameCube. Um, I played a lot of Brawl in college. Um, I mean, yeah, it was a little bit different. I played Melee a ton as well, but nothing to gripe about. Mm-mm. I don't think I'd use any like emojis next to it. No. Um, I didn't like the newest one. Smash 4? Yeah, the one on the DS. Oh, yeah. So I mean, playing on the 3DS is kind of difficult. It is. Um I don't know, some of those characters I'm not cool with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes me question how I'm going to see the new one. Well, I mean, I think playing it on a console like the Switch is going to be a drastically different experience in a much more positive way yeah. than having it on the handheld because the graphics were inferior, the frame rate was slower, it just didn't control as well because you had your hands cramped on this little console. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons why I think Smash on the Switch is going to be... <laughs> significantly better experience yeah no i am excited i'm just yeah kind of playing devil's advocate type of thing um that's really cool so i think we got a few other questions um we got one from travis through instagram and so earlier this week brie larson dressed as zero suit samus for halloween and brie larson is going to be captain marvel and the new you know marvel film in i think may or march of 2019 i did not see this yeah, and so someone commented basically saying something along the lines of, um, actually, let me pull it up. I think I took a picture of Travis's question, maybe. Or, you know what, I'll pull it up on the interwebs because I want to get the exact wording Brie right. Larson. Zero Suit Samus. That's a blue one. Yeah. Zero Suit. Do you see that there was a, um, like, a Dark Samus? Mm-hmm. Did you play any of the Samus games? Yeah, I played... Um, Metroid 2 on the Game Boy, uh, which was pretty fun. And then I played... Uh, what other Metroid games have I played? I played Prime 3 Corruption on the Nintendo Wii. I played a little bit of Metroid Prime on the GameCube, but um, I was a very impatient little person, and I didn't go all the way through it. So is Dark Samus in any of the games? Uh, I'm not the best person to answer that question. Okay. I would assume, because it's in Brawl, that it was a character. Mm-hmm. Um... So Larson dressed up as Zero Suit Samus, and a fan tweeted at Captain Marvel Star asking if the, this costume would be the closest we'll ever get to a true Metroid movie. And she said, I hope not. I want to make that movie. So That would be really cool. I think she'd be perfect for the role. I think that has the potential to be the greatest video game movie adaptation. Uh, yeah, because Samus is an awesome character. Yeah, she's pretty freaking awesome. And so it'd essentially be the female Master Chief Halo-type movie. And I think if they have a budget, like a Star... They wouldn't have, like, a Star Wars, Star Trek budget. But if they have it to that degree of, like, just 
ridiculous CGI explosions and they get a, a decent cast around the movie, mm-hmm. I think it could be a great success. So I guess playing a few of the games, do you know what's the setting or what's the scenario? <sighs> Again, I... in a suit. There's aliens. Yeah. And you turn to a ball. Yeah. You've like a little morph ball that, you know, you use for like puzzle solving and opening certain doors and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I felt that it played relatively, I don't want to say similar to Halo, but the two worlds don't feel completely unalike, you know, they, they feel relatively similar and the, the shooting mechanics are very crisp. It was, you know, your average, not your average, it was your typical first person shooter, um, mechanics, mm-hmm. but it just played very, very well. And okay. certainly for Nintendo to have a first-person shooter with this female protagonist back in whenever Prime came out, 2002, 3, 4, whatever it may have been, it was a big deal. And essentially, or especially because, like, Metroid had always been 2D up to that point. You know, mm-hmm. Metroid on the NES. Then you, oh, so I have played Fusion on the Game Boy Advance. That game is absolutely outstanding. It's a, just a 2D side-scrolling type of game. Mm-hmm. I have it on my 3DS if you want to play that. Is it the one where you open doors and things? It's, I think I've seen gameplay. It's very it. similar. Yeah, you open doors and things, like you know, like a lot of games do. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, that's really generic. Uh, but no, it, it kind has of, a plot. You have a character that I you mean, follow. Metroid and Castlevania Symphony of the Night really kind of coined that Metroidvania mm-hmm. name that people often throw around, where oftentimes you have this map up in the corner and you have to explore the different areas to kind of unlock or reveal the other areas of that map. And more often than not, you'll get certain upgrades and things that will allow you to go back to certain areas to be able to Traverse. open particular doors or what have you. But Metroid Fusion's outstanding. The Metroid Prime games, I wish I gave more of a chance. But as far as, you know, game to film, I think it would perfectly translate. And I think there's no better person out there than Brie Larson because I think we're going to see she's going to really kind of confirm that with her character in Captain Marvel. So yeah, hopefully that one turns out well. I think it will. Um, so, but yeah. So to answer your tr- question, Travis, I think it'd be amazing. I think again, she's perfect for the role. But uh, I think those are the only like off questions, other than the one that we got through email. Mm-hmm. So um, we can get into Travis's question here. He wrote into we'll talk about this podcast at gmail.com, and he the subject line. Now I should before I get into this, I should say that Travis and I talk probably like almost on a daily basis just texting back and forth and uh he's actually coming down um on saturday get to meet him and his wife and his little uh, nice his little beautiful little that'll daughter. be fun for you. yeah it'd be, it should be a lot of fun so um we've been texting quite a bit leading up to the final nintendo direct about smash ultimate because he's a very passionate fan of the series and we had high hopes for certain character reveals and stuff like that most of which were not met and so Here we go. The hype train derailed is the subject line to this email. He says, uh, let me make sure. Okay. Hello, Rusty and Ryan. What a week this was. Rusty and I have been chatting about Smash Ultimate for the past month or so, so eagerly anticipating an internet-breaking reveal of The Last Fighter. Everything was set. Crazy reveals of Simon, Ridley, and K. Rool, who fans have wanted for years, and then a revelation of the minor character Isabel of Animal Crossing fame during a direct announcement. Surely that wouldn't end their character announcements with a fighter nobody really cares about, right? Everything pointed to something amazing on Thursday's Direct. And then they royally disappointed, quote-unquote, everyone. Maybe it's my age talking, but I don't give a flying F about such a lame Gen 7 Pokemon. Incineroar looks like the one, like one of the cheesy Pokemon my friends and I would create when we were seven. 
Is it supposed to be cool, edgy? Is it, it's laughable. He says, and then to reveal that there would be DLC fighters coming, but the first is a piranha plant. My hype train completely derailed. I have little hope for anyone good arriving as a DLC fighter now. We'll get some B-list characters most likely. I mean, really, who wants to play Smash as a piranha plant? What a lame way to end the game announcements. And this new system, the Spirits, which we'll talk about, where a picture of a non-playable character gets superimposed on the screen so you feel like you're actually fighting them. What are we, kindergartners? Zero hype. They should have really revealed these characters in the reverse order, meaning they would have revealed Simon, K. Rule, and um, Ridley during this direct, which I totally agree with. I agree with that. He says, okay, sorry, I'm done ranting now. He says, on a positive note, one of my favorite bands released a stellar record today, and it's amazing. If either of you or any of the fellow listeners enjoy moody, atmospheric metalcore, check out When the Edge Began, or When the End Began by Silent Planet, album of the year for me, and might even supplant my current favorite metal album of all time. So... Uh, again, that I feel is like getting pumped up and listening to metal. Yeah, when the end began by Silent Planet for all of you out there that are um, metal fans. He said one question for the uh, then for the week. What are some of your biggest disappointments um, and times you expected greatness and were giving crap instead? And I would expect this to be specific to video games, but if you have anything else, Ryan, whether it's TV shows or movies, by all means, most of my life <laughs> <laughs> is a disappointment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I came up with a few games here. Ryan, do you want to... How many did you come up with? I had four. Okay, go ahead. And what's your first one? Uh, my first one is Dragon Ball Z Xenoverse. Yeah, that was bad. Um, I'd watch some gameplay and the person knew what they were doing. Um, but playing it myself, there's no cl- like clear objectives. And you kind of wander around like this hub world. And then essentially you're like saving events from the past but yeah. it's, it's very i don't know if it's arcadey it's just not laid out well it doesn't play like a good game at all mm-hmm. and i was excited for a dragon ball z game because i had played the ones in the game boy advance mm-hmm. a lot of fun kind of rpgs um but yeah it was a complete letdown and then we played it that one night we were like what is this yeah the hub world was just way too confusing it was way too large you had no idea and we just wanted to fight we just wanted to understand how you and I could get into just split screen, not even split screen, but just on the same screen fighting one another. And we yeah. couldn't even figure that out. And if I have to look up a guide to figure out essentially how to play the main game of just fighting one another in like some 3D or 2D plane, yeah, that's an issue. Well, I think I gave you the controller to try to find the missions, and then I ended up falling asleep on the floor. Yeah, so if that's in any indication of how fun this game is. So we had was, lots of fun. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. So my first one, so I've pre-order very few games uh, i would say 10 to 15 in my lifetime which is not a whole lot more games recently i would say in the past three to five years than i have um you know in previous generations but there was a little bit of a dry spout in the wii at one point and i remember going to my local mall when there was eb games still yeah and i walked in and i saw this like cardboard um standee advertising a game called alone in the dark and it looked kind of Almost at this point, Alan Wake hadn't come out, but it looked like a cross between Alan Wake and Resident Evil. So not overly throw zombies at your face, but still eerie enough to kind of get you a little creeped out. Yeah. And it was a series that I think originated on the PlayStation 1, and this was kind of a, a reimagining of the series is, is my interpretation. I don't even know. 
So I looked at it and I thought this would be really interesting. And I've always been kind of a fan of like moody, atmospheric, scary games. So I, I pre-ordered it, mm-hmm. flopped down 50 bucks. And about a week later, I got my copy and I got like this giant, because whenever you pre-order games back then, they give you like just this generic black t-shirt with the game yeah. that just had the name of the game across the, t- the, the chest. Yeah. So I got this ring. That's why we got bullied. Exactly. So, and especially when the game's like Barbie al- Pet Rescue. Alone in the dark, <laughs> just casually across my chest. So I got this game and I started playing it and it was just, it looked horrible. Graphically, it looked like there was just Vaseline all over the screen, really muddy graphics, controlled horribly with all the waggle controls. I remember my buddy and I, Nick, the one that we played Resident Evil 4 before school and stuff, were trying to make sense of the game's controls, story, and just overall progression. And we just had zero fun. And it was one of those things where it's, you know, you pre-order a game, you get it brand new and you can't return it. You know, yeah. because it's it's shrink wrapped, and so back when you know they didn't gut copies of games like they do today, and call it new, even though you can tell someone's been playing the game. Yeah. And uh, so I just had zero fun with it. It was a com- complete letdown. It actually came out to very poor critical reception, and I think it was kind of the reason why they didn't continue making games for the Alone in the Dark series, just because it was boring as all heck. It was just not fun at all, and controlled. Wait, games are supposed to be fun? Yeah, exactly. Controlled horribly. So absolute garbage alone in the dark was uh i have one two three four five six so i'll do another one here okay sounds good um mario party advance so when you're young you know you can only buy a game every once in a while because you only have so much allowance yeah and i only got seven dollars for allowance i don't know why we didn't get an allowance yeah but seven bucks was what i got once a week for you know doing my you know weekly chores around the house so eventually i saved up enough money to buy I think Game Boy game Game Boy Advance games were like 30, 35 bucks back then, brand new. And then Mario Party Advance came out, and always being a big fan of Mario Party from both the Nintendo 64 to at that point GameCube era. And when you could get it portably, I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. It sucked. It was absolute garbage. I mean, I remember the minigames just being so dull and just lacking variety and really enjoyment of any kind. The boards were just completely uninspired and i think there were very minimal characters you can choose i think there was even like a weirdo story mode to the game i don't remember you know very vividly how the game played out i just remember being sorely disappointed and you know wasting like a month's worth of allowance on this ridiculously horrible game so mario party advance friends stay away (laughs) i'm sure people are going for game boy games at this point yeah uh, what's your next one? My next one is Lair. Oh, yeah. That's that's a very divisive game. There's actually a pretty significant cult following around that game. Yeah. it. I was really excited because... Was that Xbox? Or was that PS4? That was a launch game for the PS3. PS3. That's Because really it had like the... The, the fire motion. Con, most motion controls for the PS3, yeah. Yeah, and I was super excited about that. Because um, dragons. Yeah. Anything with dragons and then like flying them around and like just terrorizing things. But the controls were not as uh, crisp. No, they were very not user-friendly at all. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it was, for me, at the age that I got it, I got frustrated really easily, and I ended up just returning it. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because I would, like, fly into walls and just suck. Yeah, I like, mean, the concept with these dragons, I think you, like, you have some person that essentially rides them, and I think you mm-hmm. have a it's dragon. like Aragon. Yeah, almost. of your own, and... Yeah, apparently it was just not good. So yeah. conceptually, maybe, you know, 
Conceptually, it's freaking awesome. PS5, they'll have like a layer two reawakening of the dragons. That's a that'd be a pretty cool title. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I doubt that it was such a commercial flop. I don't think it's gonna happen. But yeah, I mean, I I still have my PS3, so I might try it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, it was I wasn't happy about it. Yeah, another Wii game. So. It is no secret to anyone who's listened to any episode of the podcast or has talked to me for more than six and a half minutes. Aragorn is my favorite character in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And when they announced a game completely centered around this miraculous superhuman, Aragorn's quest on the Nintendo Wii, I freaked out. Mm-hmm. Now, I was a little hesitant because it was like cartoony graphics and it essentially looked a little kitty, but mm-hmm. I didn't really mind. I was like, you know what? The Hobbit on the PS2 GameCube... Um, had a similar graphical aesthetic, and I still played very nicely. So I was like, I'm still optimistic about this game. Game is trash. Really? Basically, it's Sam, Sam Wise, telling stories to his young kids about Aragorn and, and like, how he was who he was. And you play out certain events from the film, and it is essentially for an audience of, like, you know, six, like four to, like, eight, essentially. Really, really young kids. Really. Uh, so, can you kill anything? You kill things, but it's very childlike. And you you slash your sword, and I don't even know if there's like hit detection. If it's more just like you slash your sword, and the goblins just like kind of fall over. There's of course no blood. Yeah. It's it's very mild. It's intense gore. It basically strips everything of Lord of the Rings that makes it interesting and in what it is. Yeah. And so, um, I still have it. I'm actually. I want to send Pete my copy so that he can play it for um, on Twitch because it would just be really fun to watch him play through that. It's like a three to five hour game. I think I remember beating it in like one sitting because naturally, being a Lord of the Rings fan that I am, I'm going to finish it, right? I'm going to yeah. beat it. But it was not, not fun at all. So stay far away from Aragorn's Quest. You can actually get it on the PS2, PSP, and I think PS3. And the PS3 had Move support, uh-huh. uh, like PlayStation Move, when they try to get into the the motion control market. So, if you can get a copy for ten bucks or less, it's in your Lord of the Rings fan. It's worth experiencing at least, but it's not something you go out of your way to play. You could probably watch a playthrough online. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's just not not really worth it. So, what's your next one? My next one is Halo Five. Oh yeah! Wow. So. It was just a disappointment because I was super excited. I mean, Halo is meant to be played sitting next to someone, split screen, like on the hardest difficulty, legendary, and just having a few drinks and playing through it. So Ben and I, when we were rooming together, um, I think Lauren was going to join as well. We were going to play on a Friday night Mm -hmm. through as much of the campaign as we could, split screen. So we put it in... um, so he had gotten an Xbox One or stole his brother's and mm-hmm. brought it to college. And we put it in. There's no split screen for this game. It is purely online. Terrible. So our night was completely ruined, extremely pissed. Um, that's what Halo is, and that's what made the first three, I think, good. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, that generation, it wasn't like, let's do land, like connect to landline and just... Yeah, internet was not what it was mm-hmm. now. So, and the story was kind of, 
I don't know, you have that guy who is asleep in a ball and then Cortana goes crazy. Oh, no, no, that was the number four. This one was the one with the other Spartan who's hunting you down. Yeah, I didn't And then you become it, but... bros. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think the biggest thing that they ruined for me is just online. Yeah. And I think for six, if that's ever going to come out, that they have to do split screen. Oh, they better. I mean, I, I, they would just... <sighs> that would just, I think, really solidify Microsoft <laughs> just not giving us giving fans what they want. I mean, they're already falling off the face of the earth with essentially zero significant uh, first-party titles. We got that one Pirates Thief. Yeah, uh, Sea of Thieves, which I I think is performing mediocre at best in terms of sales and people actually playing and enjoying that game. Yeah. And beyond Halo, Gears, I think, is coming soon. Um, There was some Dragon game that was being made by Capcom that was supposed to be exclusive to the console, I think, but... They revoked that. They canceled the project or whatever. So there's just not Those in a good two. spot. And then you have games like Spider-Man, Sh- Sh- Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, Last of Us 2, Uncharted, Un- Red Dead, Horizon. Is that Red Dead's not exclusive, but you have all these, ex- you know, Bloodborne. You have all these exclusive games for PlayStation that I, I don't I don't understand why anyone would choose Microsoft over Sony. No. And the, the person I think that... some of the exclusive you can also get on PC. You can, and so the person that says that you know Microsoft has better IPs than Sony is is just is just wrong. <laughs> yeah. There's no argument to that. I mean, yeah. You're just objectively wrong because I, I get it that like quantity over quality is a thing, but like Sony isn't only like not only are they quantity over yeah. Microsoft, they quality are too. beyond quality yeah. over Microsoft. I mean, I'm done with Halo and Gears, like. We've played dozens of those games. Yeah, that at this was point. like a middle school kind of experience. Yeah, I mean Horizon, or not Horizon, but uh, that's an exclusive as Forza well. Forza Horizon, you know, whatever the the racing games. Like, I understand there's a market for that, but there's just so much more to be had with with Sony's exclusives. This is probably going to be a divisive statement. I feel like as a kid, you do an Xbox, and then when you become an adult, you get a PS4. Well, I, I would maybe was- a little bit disagree. So. I was much more a fan of the Xbox 360, not so much of my age, but I just felt like the user interface of that console and intro, or, um, achievements and even the dashboard, um, the friend system, everything was much more intuitive and easy to use. And the PS3, of the line. the PS3 was just kind of clunky interface. When you loaded trophies, it took a long time. Where with Microsoft, you press the center button, boom, achievements, you look at that. I'm just, like I'm talking more like game selection and like overall like aesthetic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I I think that you know the Xbox 360 um, games and uh, the user interface of the console was was much more in line w- regardless of age. And I think PS4 they've just won every most like of the market over with everything. Games. Have you seen the interface of the Xbox One? I haven't. No, not really. It's very cluttered yeah. from my perspective. Um, I, I did enjoy the Xbox 360, um, that interface. But yeah, I was going, I was messing around on an Xbox One and there's just ads and things and they're trying to do all the social media and like like eight different tabs mm-hmm. instead of having like one icon for everything on yeah. that like streamline one line. Yeah, I think Sony's very like cohesive it's just you're on this home screen you just panel over to get to different games you can 
group all your games in different folders mm-hmm. and categorize everything very well. It just seems very organized. It's weird. And you're not you, inundated by like a bunch of ads unless you go to the PSN store. Yeah, you would think that Microsoft, who has Windows... Yeah, you'd it, think. It's, you might as well be playing on a freaking OS yeah. or iOS Yeah, for how, like, yeah, I, I don't like iOS, but... Mm. Yeah, uh, I guess we'll get away from the Sony-Microsoft debate. Um, another game on my list is Fallout 3. You know, we've talked about the Fallout games mm-hmm. quite a bit not being, um, you know, our cup of tea. I just think that the settings are just very dull, lacking life. Again, it makes sense because it's a post-apocalyptic, you know, um, nuked town or area. So perfectly makes sense. But at the same time, I don't feel like it's a world that's worth exploring. Um, and that's why I have absolutely zero interest in Fallout 76. Yeah, so 76 is not doing well. Um, there was a beta... I think it just ended. Yeah, um, I think so. It was the end of last month, um, and people could pre-download the assets, the 50 gigs, mm-hmm. and basically there was a server error that actually was deleting people's saves of that 50 gig. Oh, no. So it took like four hours for them to re-download that, which is the entire time that they could have actually played the game. Wow. Yeah. So, and then inside the game, there were lots of glitches. Um, like graphically, it's still running on the creation engine, which is the same game or the same engine as Skyrim and all the other like Fallout Three. Yeah, so it's a really outdated engine. If like Skyrim came out 2011, so it's at least seven years old. I, I guess it would probably be like three years older than that for lead time. So I mean, you're talking about like a ten year old engine that they're running this new stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how this game... I mean, Bethesda's are very notorious for having significantly buggy games, but at the same time, I mean, Bethesda's even already come out and said, and usually they don't preface their releases by warning people that this game is buggy. People just find out after the fact, and they have user they have patches to kind of fix some of that stuff if it's game-breaking. But if they're a month before the game comes out warning people that, listen, this is going to be a pretty buggy experience, so just... Just letting you know before you press start. Yeah, what you do is you kick back the date. I guess everything they've already printed stuff. Yeah, the game seems rushed to me. I mean, I think Fallout 3, or even maybe it was Fallout 4, they announced it at E3 and it came out three months later and it was met with very positive reception. Mm -hmm. Bethesda's known for doing that, which is good. I think it makes sense to not show a game like Final Fantasy 13, like eight years before it comes out. And then it's just in development hell for like ever, you know? And at the same time, if a game isn't ready, don't, don't put it out. I mean, if, if, if it takes another eight months of development time to polish it, then do that. I mean, that's why Rockstar is one of the most critically acclaimed developers because they go above and beyond with polishing their games. And that's why they're held in such regard and Red Dead Redemption sold $750 million worth in three days. of copies in three days. And Grand Theft Auto V did a, a billion. billion sales in three days. I mean, Fallout 76 is never... Fallout games are never going to see those numbers because um, they just don't reach that wide demographic of people because we understand as gamers that they're going to be pretty buggy. Yeah, and then what they did, they also took out all the NPCs. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they're doing all of the storytelling through like these holocrons or whatever. So it's basically just voice recordings of people instead of like an interacting. It's just basically them telling you a story. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like um, that either. And then all of the quests from what I've heard from like listening to reviews and things of the beta were very shallow. It's not so much like the Skyrim-esque. Yeah, I never want to wish, you know, bad blood upon anyone. And so I definitely hope the game sells well. But I just feel like they're almost setting themselves up for failure here. And I, I see this game, you know, we say mediocre. Like I don't think 7 is necessarily mediocre. But I think this game is going to have very average reviews. It's going to be pretty poor to average, I think. Cause, I think it's going to be like a 6. Because there's going to be a lot of people that say like, We've come to expect this with Bethesda games, but then there's also going to be that demographic of uh, reviewers. They're going to say, at this day and age, this is just unacceptable. You it know? really is. So, I mean, the creation engine for Skyrim, going back to it after looking at the stuff now, it's it looks really old school. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically it is old school. It's PS3. Yeah. Um, and they're using that same engine. It's very visible that it's that old. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also enough about that, I guess. Um, my next one is Far Cry Prime. Well, actually, I've been going on and on. Oh, I have one more, so. Okay, I have two more. So, Far Cry Primal, I talked quite a bit about it, you know, several episodes ago. Huge fan of the Far Cry games, but, and I felt like the Primal, this 10,000 BC setting was going to be really interesting in this, like, prehistoric era of, like, saber-toothed tigers, woolly mammoths, and all these really old, kind of, prehistoric things running around, and you had clubs and spears and bow and arrows and all that kind of stuff but resources are so scarce and i'm sure later on the game you get to craft certain things to make your weapons stronger but i just didn't have the patience after playing for like three hours when i had two arrows and like two cyber tooth tigers chasing me down and mauling me clearly three arrows isn't going to do a whole lot and certainly a big club isn't going to do a whole lot either so i just felt like at an extreme disadvantage and I didn't want to have to pay, play for 10 hours to have these really supreme spears and bow and arrows to be able to have a more enjoyable experience. Yeah. So it was kind of unfortunate, but um, I'll probably just buy Fallout or Far Cry 5 and still have a heck of a time. Yeah, didn't Ben say he had the same experience? Yeah, he basically... I think he said he still beat it and got like all the trophies. Yeah, he probably still platinum. Yeah, but I don't... I'm not that type of person where it's like I feel compelled to complete the game even though i'm having a horrible time i'm like i hate every second of this but i i played 50 hours and yeah did just everything. not the kind of person that i am but what's your last one my last one is star wars battlefront 2 oh gosh that's um, a great one so i got this i was super excited i didn't play with the regular battlefront and i'm like i battlefront 2 battlefront 2 super fun the original um i was hoping that's what it would be um it was made by the people who did what was it? Uh, oh, it's not Battlefield. Co- yeah, Battlefield. That's Dice. What it was. Dice. Yeah. So it's a totally a different play style than the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the very arcadey, um, old style of Battlefront. So I'm like, whatever. We can we can play it online and it'll be fun. Um, so I pre-ordered the like higher edition, the like eighty dollar one because I was super pumped. Yeah. Like, and then it like stuff maybe a couple weeks before it was coming out that there was all these monetization and the entire thing was based off around loot systems. And I got in there and basically the progression system, which I don't even know if they fixed, um, 
you basically got cards and or like all your time <clears throat> excuse me all your time in the game was not based off of like how well you did it was basically time spent in game yeah so the incentive was not to do good it was just to spend time in the game so that was unfortunate because you could either be at the top or the bottom of the list and you're still getting I mean it, it tailored by like 3 or 4 but to get a like a box of cards was like a couple hundred. Mm-hmm. So that was disappointing. And then the people who had like a purple rare, like the highest rarity cards versus the people who were just starting out, it was a clear disadvantage. Yeah. Like by significant amount. I mean, at the end of the day, it's pay to win, right? I mean, it that, was very much the entire thing was based off of pay to win. It's ridiculous. Um, So I ended up making a spreadsheet because I'm like trying to calculate how like I'm going to get these cards. Mm hmm. And playing it normally, yeah. And I calculated it's four thousand nine hundred and eighty-two hours to complete all the characters at the time and all the ships and get like purple cards for everyone. That's insane. Yeah, so that was very disheartening. And normal people probably don't do this, but I mean, I I created like random variable tables to try to understand like different drops per match. Mm-hmm. Um. And then it really incentivized, there was a huge thing about people rubber banding their controllers and the heroes. Oh, yeah. And just going in circles because, like, basically, it would send you into the next match. Mm -hmm. And you'd basically get a lot of money throughout the day. Yeah. So you could go off to school or go off to work. So seeing it did take me 5,000 hours to complete this game. Yeah, I mean, it's like, why wouldn't you do that? Oh, I totally did. Yeah. And I got really mean messages on my (laughs) PS4, so I ended up, like, changing my settings. Yeah. But, like, if you're going to incentivize not playing the game, or if you're going to incentivize it's only about spending time and not how well you do, Mm -hmm. that's what's going to come out of it. So, I mean, they ended up fixing that, Mm -hmm. which they shouldn't, but they didn't fix it. They shouldn't have had to. Yeah, the progression system should have been not pay to win at the beginning yeah. it no, should be just a good freaking star wars game that's all we really want and i think at this point like it's going to be a shame if they do another star wars battlefront and it's just more of the same you'd hope that they they've learned their lesson at this point where two to three years from now they pump out battlefront three after episode nine comes out and and it's just a completely from the grounds up what fans have wanted for so long. It's a callback to Battlefront 2 on the PlayStation 2 where you have like heroes versus villains mode, but you have full access to all of those characters immediately. I mean, it's it's not rocket science. I mean, if they, they could have like just remade Battlefront 2 on the PS2 to current generation graphics. graphics and made online functionality, and that would have been fine. Because there's a huge cult following of the original Battlefront 2 online as well. Yeah. Or like... Through your computer, still, mm-hmm. they have servers up. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been very difficult to do that. And granted, yeah, there's a lot of maps that they would have had to rendered under the current game engine, but I would have rather had them take all the development costs to to make that than what they did. Like, sh- even strip the single-player story game out of there. I don't care. Yeah, because it was not good. Yeah, it- s- strip that out because it was just garbage. They just threw it together randomly, and it was like some, you know, uninteresting six-hour experience. Like... Yeah, I mean, it had potential going around as a stormtrooper. Yeah, and everyone wants to understand the dark side a little bit, a little bit more. But it was instantly like maybe a couple hours in, switch back to the light side. Yeah, like 
you were raised in this life for like 18 years and then someone tells you something and you instantly switch to the other side. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't realistic, but I didn't we didn't really expect because reasons, right? And it's yeah. just whatever. Yeah, it it was not good. It's a shame. And you know, I hope that we get good Star Wars games moving yeah. forward. Story-driven experiences, multiplayer-driven experiences that aren't centered around paying more than the base cost of the game. I, it's just, and that and that carries over into other games as well, not just Star Wars. I'm talking about just video games. Well, that's why Diablo is really hated right now. The new Diablo Mobile. Yeah, like people are freaking out, and like at this point, Blizzard has re-uploaded that video to try to curb some of that hatred. Really, and they're deleting comments, like negative comments. I mean, it's at like a three or to five percent. I mean, I think at that point, you go back to the drawing board and say, okay, we pissed off fans. This clearly isn't what they want. Let's just maybe scrap this idea, eat the cost. And I mean, because they have to be making or working on Diablo 4 in some capacity. Mm -hmm. At least they're whiteboarding it, right? There's got to be something out there because these companies are always thinking ahead. The moment the Switch was released, they're already, there's a team working on the next Nintendo console. Yeah. So I think that Diablo 4... Even if they did like an Elder Scrolls Six reveal where it was just like you hear the drums and it's like boom, 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 and then it just says Elder Scrolls Six. You don't even have a subtitle. Just let people know that it is in development. Diablo, well, that's, yeah, that's what they did. Diablo Four is in development. That's all they need. Yeah, because then that will overshadow this garbage little mobile title, just as Elder Scrolls Six did for this well, mobile Skyrim really game. Because they saved this to the very end. Mm-hmm. And it was basically like, this is the big reveal, and they expected everyone to be like, holy cow. Like I can I, fight as Piranha Plant and Smash Ultimate. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially that. It's like, this was supposed to be the headliner thing. Yeah. And they just, they're like, this is not what we wanted. And apparently, like the hardcore players go to those BlizzCons. Oh, for sure. And like all the Blizzard players are at their core hardcore players. It's like Christmas for them. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really like the E3, you know, for yeah. us. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, but I mean, w- what is interesting that came out of that conference was Warcraft 3 being remade. Um, you know, I, I actually have the collector's edition of that upstairs. I have it on PC. I went to a garage sale and this old man was a big WoW player mm-hmm. and um, he gave me the collector's edition for PC for like 10 bucks. And I don't remember, I mean, at the time, I think it sold for like about 80 on eBay. I don't know what it goes for now. But it's a really fun real-time strategy game. So I'm glad that that game is being remade for PC. Man, it would be so awesome if they mapped those controls to the PS4. Um, yeah. Or even Switch, because it'd probably play it more user-friendly using the... Well, 3, is that the just World of Warcraft Online? Or no, so this... Warcraft 3 is like a real-time strategy game. It's not a MMO. This isn't World of Warcraft, it's just Warcraft. It's just 3. Warcraft. Okay. Same like character designs, and you know it's very similar aesthetically, but it's just... From a gameplay design, it's completely different. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's interesting. Um, but my final character, most or my final most disappointing game, is a series that I I, clo- I hold so closely to my heart, and that's Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts on the Xbox 360. Visually, this game looks outstanding. I mean, it looks exactly like you'd want Banjo Kazooie to look for current generation consoles. I only played the demo for like an hour or two and I immediately knew this is not what I won. It was essentially stripped everything of from Banjo-Kazooie and Tui um, that made it so captivating and interesting mm-hmm. and basically made car com- car like uh, mechanic simulator with a paint, like with a coat of Banjo paint. 
And that is essentially what that game is. It's just the main mechanic of the game is essentially building and constructing cars. Think like Why? Kingdom Hearts Gummy Ship, the game. That's the worst game. With Banjo-Kazooie characters. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Yeah, it was not fun. And Does he drive a car in any of the other ones? No. Why would he? Exactly. And so, why did he? <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, and that's really kind of encourages, like, this creative mindset. It's it's kind of infused into the puzzle-solving elements of the game where you have to construct certain vehicles to be able to fly to get over things or submarine-type vehicles to go into the water and, mm-hmm. you know, get to certain areas and, and progress and what have you. But it just wasn't Banjo-Kazooie. It wasn't what any of us... It, it certainly wasn't what I wanted. I'm sure if Travis played it or any hardcore Banjo-Kazooie fans, it was very much just, like... What is this? Mm-hmm. What's interesting, though, is I remember a lot of people that were born in the late 90s, early 2000s that played it back in the YouTube days really enjoyed it because they never really played the originals. The originals. Because they were like, oh, yeah, this is fun, and these characters are great. But if you were accustomed to and played the originals, you would have looked at that and been like, what is this garbage? Yeah. So, Very um, much is the time and a place and what you've played or mm-hmm. haven't played. Yep. No, I agree completely. But as the show typically goes, we're an hour and a half in and we haven't gotten to the main topic yet. So let's get into the main topic. We wanted to talk about kind of the hype that surrounding the new Super Smash Brothers and even really just kind of getting back to what makes this series so fun. Kind of our most memorable experiences now that we've had five of these games as, you know, um, you know, Ultimate will be the fifth game coming out. So let's kind of just talk about our favorite experiences playing the games and some of our like our mains, the people that we chose to fight as in each of those entries. So, Ryan, I don't know how, whether you want to talk about like the N64, Melee, Brawl. Yeah, so I guess my first experience was with the N64. Um, this was probably the most iconic game that I've played for the as system. a kid. Yeah, um, yeah, and for the system. Um, we used to play at this kid named Alexander's house. Um, it would like during sleepovers we would play, and his he had an older brother. Who, like, this is a kid who, in like, I guess maybe first grade, his brother was like three or four years older. So he's like, I learned this thing called multiplication. Let me teach you. <laughs> and like, they're like, dude, what is this? Like, <laughs> things cannot just, they can do more than add or subtract. Yeah. And so he was like, there's square roots. And I'm like, why are we talking about tree roots here? Like, <laughs> what are these numbers and how are you doing this? Yeah. Um, so we were at his place and like we were playing smash and you, like I was playing as Kirby or Pikachu, some of the lame characters and he would get Ness and Ness was really good if you could play with him, Mm -hmm. but he didn't have the up B. So you had to do like that. Um, it was like an energy ball that hit you everywhere. (laughs) What the heck does he say? It's just like, there's peak of fire, which is like the fire thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he says on that one, but he basically has a built-in home run bat, mm-hmm. which is really powerful. Um, so we would play during sleepovers at his place, and that was a lot of fun. And then when it graduated up to Melee, his brother got involved with us, and he played as Marth, and he was just freaking insane. Yeah. Like, destroyed us. It was three, all three of us versus him. Wow. And with Marth, and like, I don't think we killed him once. Yikes. So, like, Marth is awesome. Yeah. So, I kind of progressed towards doing Marth. And I also really like Kirby. Kirby's a lot of fun. I think he's ranked as like one of the worst characters. Not worst, but like 
lower tier. Mm-hmm. Marth is somewhat middle upper tier. Um, I really like Marth. He's fast. He has a wide range and he has a sword. So yeah, um, I think I played as Roy as well um, because he had that like fire blade. Mm-hmm. But he also injured himself. Um, then moving into brawl. I did a lot of that in college, so my roommate Rick and I, we would play um, like Friday nights, and so we were the oldest, I don't know if I told this story, we were the oldest ones in the hallway, so mm-hmm. we were over 21, the rest of the hall, because we both transferred into this college, were like, what, 18, 19, yeah. they freshmen, and we're like, oh gosh, this is going to be interesting, so like the first night we showed up, everyone instantly knew that we were over 21. So people were like flocking to our doors and we ended up becoming cool kids. Yeah. We didn't buy any and like anything for anyone, but like people saw us as like the cool, like cool older kids. Yeah. And we were in the handicapped like room. I don't know if they thought we were that old. <laughs> like we weren't that old, but yeah. like, so we had our own private bathroom that we could use, which was pretty cool. Nice. Um, so on Friday nights, we would be able to go out and get a drink. Um, our RA... He was, I think, actually 20. Okay. So we were older than him. And he was like trying to like tell us what to do, which was kind of funny. Um, but we would have above the fire code amount of people. So we'd probably have like, let's see, eight to ten people in our room. Yeah. Just huddled around this TV under one of our beds. And we would just have drinks and smash and... You know, it was it was just a lot of fun. And then Eli, the RA, came in and he's like, "You guys have like triple the limit of what I'm allowed to allow you guys to have." Yeah. It's like, hey, you want a controller and you want to join? He's like, looked around. Okay, yeah. Why we'll, not? We'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so there are a lot of instances where he uh, let us get away with stuff because we are the cool old kids on the block. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was a lot of fun. Um. And then I don't really have any main ones for the new one because I just played on the DS. Yeah, I don't either. Um, So, yeah, those are kind of my experiences. Nice. Yeah, so for me, I remember my buddy Scott, he always had all of the video games before I knew that they even existed. Yeah. And so he had Super Smash Brothers, and we'd always go over to his house with my buddy Ryan and and I think Nick at the time and would just play this game. And it was so mesmerizing to me and just baffling that they took all these iconic Nintendo franchises and it was just a complete ultimate crossover fighting on these different arenas. You know, you'd go to Hyrule Castle and Kirby's Dreamland and um, the Super Mario Brothers like arena and Donkey Kong Country and having all these characters just battle it out to the death. I mean, it was such a just a crazy idea, but it was just so genius. Yeah. And so I just remember playing with them just at sleepovers and even just during the day over summers. And then I remember my my uncle had the games. So whenever I went over to my cousin's house, we would always play it together as well. And I honestly don't even remember if I ever had a copy myself um, until now I have my own copy. But it was just so wild to me that, you know, you could just play this game of Nintendo characters just fighting each other. And I always, I always loved the Pokemon stage the most just because... Yeah. The Pokemon would come out of the Pokemon Center. Like Venusaur. Yeah. yeah. And even like Electrode and he'd like explode Mm -hmm. characters off the map and stuff like that. Um, And so my main in in the N64 was always Link. I'd occasionally play as Captain Falcon, but Link was always my main go-to. Yeah. And going to Melee, you know, I didn't get a, um, a Nintendo GameCube until much later on. 
I remember getting the like the super not super smash brothers um mario kart double dash like platinum bundle mm-hmm. so it came with a copy of double dash two like platinum controllers and then like a platinum gamecube yeah and um you know i got like luigi's mansion i think i've talked about this before like midway prime midway arcade treasures or whatever two or something like that and eventually i got a copy of um super smash brothers melee and I, I honestly can't even quantify the number of hours that I've played in that game. But if everyone would like list the top five games that I've spent the most hours playing, Melee probably is very high on the list. Yeah. Just because my friends and I play that endlessly. I can't even tell you the number of times that we'd have sleepovers and do 99 lives and not even do like 300%. Like we'd literally just standard settings, 99 lives, and it would take like four hours to actually So do be. you ever do the thing on the... In Melee, the Captain Falcon stage with all those cars. Mm-hmm. So you know how they're rushing below and they'd hit you. Like Zero City or whatever it is. Yeah. So you could actually blow up all those cars. Can you really? Yeah. So what you do is you take your like little landmines and you'd put them all over the stage and see if you could get cars. Really? That's and, pretty like, sweet. And you'd do 99 lives and then you would see who could get the most number of cars to blow up. And it was so satisfying because you'd have like landmines and those like bug bombs. So you'd have a bug bomb, you have mines, like you'd see cars blowing up, and like if you're really good, you could chuck a bug bomb, and like you could blow. You talking up about car. bomb bombs, like the ones from like the Mario games, the ones that start what fusing and yeah, walking around. Yeah, bomb bombs. Yeah, bomb bombs. It's like bomb bombs. Okay, that I, I always so. call them bug bombs. Um, yeah, you could blow up cars with those. So that was a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's of fun. like it, it's like bob bomb. So it's b o b hyphen o m b bob bomb. See that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's worth trying. Go back and. Well, that's it. what I think is so fun about Super Smash Brothers, and what makes it so interesting is yes, they have this base game where you go into an arena with you know four to now eight fighters, and you just battle it out. But what's so interesting is that you created a game within the game. Yeah. So you essentially lay these landmines all over the place and try and get the most vehicles destroyed, and I think that's what's so like what makes this game so unique to each person because. You have memories creating these unique experiences with you and your friends and Lauren. And, of course, I never did that, but I probably did other stupid things that my friends and I kind of created these scenarios or had certain in-game settings where we only had Pokeballs or whatever. Yes. And it just makes it so so like chaotic and just fun. Um, so I think that's what you know makes these games so interesting and memorable. Now, for me, I don't think I've ever anticipated a game more, maybe now Kingdom Hearts 3, um, then Super Smash Brothers Brawl. And even Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, I'm avoiding all of the hype surrounding it, trailers and all that kind of stuff, because I want to be completely surprised. But what's so wild about Super Smash Brothers Brawl is that they had this Smash Dojo website. Mm-hmm. And so every weekday, Sakurai would upload, it could be as simple as a new item, it could be an assist trophy, or he'd reveal like a secret character, a new character, or like a stage. Yeah. And so every day before school, you know, I'd get on, I'd get on, I'd log on. Maybe it was after school. I can't remember like what time of day that he uploaded the, the new yeah. whatever it was. But it just made the hype for this release that much more significant because every day you'd figure out a new little piece of information about it. Yeah. So whether it was like that anticipation of like coming home from school, rushing home, logging onto my computer and figuring out like, oh my gosh, you know, like Marth is going to be a new fighter or Pit or Zero Suit Samus, Diddy Kong, the Pokemon trainer, 
well, I guess Snake was revealed as a result of like the last, I think, um, trailer for the game. But it just made the hype for that just unmatched for me. Mm-hmm. And it was when I remember getting it, I went to my local Best Buy. And of course, they just had like hundreds, seemingly hundreds of copies across the shelves. And they had it demoed there. And I was playing the game as Mario on Final Destination against whoever, Kirby, you know, yeah. whoever it was. And it just controlled so well. It looked as beautiful graphically as it ever has. And even with the little nunchuck remote, it still played so well. And I just remember playing that game to death with my friends and even going through Subspace Emissary. I remember being in the basement just playing that almost just nonstop to completion. It was so fun to see this story attached to all these iconic characters and playing through it. I thought it was so fun. Um, that's why I have great hopes for this like story of light, whatever the heck yeah. they're calling it, for, for Smash Ultimate. And for for Smash 4, like, you know, the 3DS version, I think, came out a few months before the Wii U release. I never had a Wii U. I never will. There's just not enough there for me to, in- to incentivize me purchasing it. Um, not to mention that 60% of the games worth playing have been ported over to the Switch anyways. Yeah. So, um, but it was, you know, granted, very fun to play, like, eight-player Smash at, like, my bachelor party. And yeah. um, actually, the day of my other buddy's wedding... While the girls were getting ready upstairs, we played Smash and Mario Kart, you know, so... No, it's a perfect game for that. It really is just a great party game. Even if you're not necessarily a fan of video games, it's relatively easy to pick up and play, you mm-hmm. know? And for that reason alone, I think it just makes it just such an outstanding title. Yeah, I... T- I Series. Remember, yeah, no, it is. I remembered another one for Melee. Uh, my dad works at Honda, um, or did at the time that before Melee came out. Yeah. And they did these Honda Fests. So oh, no like, way. you go down and they basically rented out this entire like expo center. And there was like a GameCube, like future games. And they were able to get a copy of Melee before it came out. What? And we were able to play, like they had a carnival outside, like they had ZZ Top. And oh they had, yeah, like, you telling the me, GameCube yeah. like area, and we could play. It was the um, like this is coming from after like the N sixty four version was the last thing we saw. Yeah, and this is the first time seeing like holy cow, this looks amazing. Yeah, and it was the water rushing stage down the waterfall, the Donkey Kong one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we like Donkey Kong was in there like playing with all those iconic characters from the first one, and oh my gosh, I was so excited. That's really neat. Like before it came out, so it was just like. First off, how did you get this? Yeah. Like, who do I have to talk to in whatever organization to get a copy? Wow. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, playing a game before it comes out, whether it's a beta or a demo, it just, yeah, it really kind of heightens that excitement for you. But that's really interesting that you were able to play Melee, like, I'm assuming months before its release. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. Well, they're both Japanese companies, so I figured yeah. they talk to each Sakurai other. Sakurai kind of hangs out with the Honda <laughs> development teams. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Hey man, we'll give you a car. You it, give us a copy of. It, it, yeah, exactly. Reasonable. Perfectly. Uh, it's a nice little trade-off, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I think now we can kind of talk about Smash Ultimate, kind of our hype. The Nintendo Direct was recently released, and I would say up until now, we really knew nothing about the features of this game apart from, of course, you're going to be able to go to different stages and fight. Yeah. We didn't know about the adventure mode. We didn't really know about the online functionality and play that they were going to have. We really just knew about. Some of these new characters that were going to be introduced, Sakurai in the last Direct, I think during E3, said that every character from all the previous games 
all stages from previous games are going to be in this game. So the game is appropriately titled Smash Brothers Ultimate. Yeah. It is the definitive Smash Brothers experience. And, you know, so coming into this direct, there was a lot of hype surrounding it because about a week before this direct, there was a leak that was from a relatively um, credible credible source. And, you know, we thought that we were going to get Geno from Super Mario RPG. We were going to get Banjo-Kazooie of all people, Shadow the Hedgehog, um, and like just a couple other people as well that really heightened expectations for this. Yeah. And so with it being this 40-plus minute direct, we knew like, wow, they're just going to come out, guns blazing, hit us punch for punch just with some really ridiculous announcements. And I would say it was hit and miss for me. You know, I went in with these lofty expectations, and I didn't come out mad. I just came out a little bit disappointed because what they've already done for this game is already blew my expectations out of the water. I yeah. think they could have just had all characters from previous games, all stages from previous games. And, and had a few more. And maybe like three new fighters, and I would have been perfectly satisfied. Yeah. But seeing that leak, I think, falsely got me wanting, and essentially, um, what's the word? Um, ent- I had this entitlement to like, yeah. well, I'm entitled to Banjo-Kazooie now because <laughs> he's been leaked. And so it was a little bit frustrating when, you know, they reveal Incineroar as and one Ken. And, and Ken from the Street Fighter series as these two new playable characters. And then, you know, Sakurai talks a little bit more about a bunch of stuff that we'll get into. And then he reveals, oh, and I have one more thing. And they kind of set up this little cinematic where Mario's walking through like the Mushroom Kingdom or whatever. And all these Yoshis are kind of disoriented. And then Mario gets, you know, he, he like gets kind of startled and looks to his left and he sees Piranha Plant. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, boom, new challenger approaches. You know, Piranha Plant is a new playable character. Which, that in and of itself is disappointing. But then Sakurai goes on to say, I want you to know that this is not a playable character that will launch with the game when it comes December 7th. December 7th. It'll probably take months before he's even ready. It's just like, okay, first of all, the announcement of that character is already disappointing. And then you go on to say that he's not even going to launch with the base game. Like, I just feel like, why, why would you do that? It just doesn't even make well, any sense to me. I think they did DLC characters for the other ones, right? They did for Smash Ultimate, <laughs> or I mean, um, Smash 4. Yeah. And uh, I have no problem with DLC characters. But what pisses me off is that it's essentially this random loot box basically saying, like, you're not going to know who you're getting. Just know that we're working on it. And if you pay 25 bucks, you're guaranteed all five. No, I, I don't. Yeah. I, was... I mean, it's going to leak, right? And you're going to eventually be able to pick and choose who you want. I was kind of disappointed uh, the amount that like six dollars because it was five ninety nine and twenty four ninety nine, so it gives you a song, a stage, and a song or a character. Yeah, which doesn't seem like a lot for six dollars. No, um, I get there's a lot of development that goes into those characters. Of course, Oops. but Not my mic. yeah, it's. Three Especially things for six dollars is a l- very little amount when DLC is like entire quest lines. There's no way I'm paying six dollars for like a piranha plant character. No, and you when you pre-order the game, you get him, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but like I I came into this with no expectations at all, and I haven't really looked at any of Smash is going to be Smash. It has a general formula. You're on stages. Um, like as far as characters. 
I don't really have any experience with any of the Street Fighter games, so I could care less about yeah, Ken. Yeah, it means nothing um, to me. Ken either. is the same as Ryu, essentially, yeah. but just different moves, which I think was a common complaint from what I've heard about Street Fighter. So, and then Incineroar, uh, I, I don't know. It's a new generation of Pokemon. I, I don't care about the new generation of Pokemon, Mm-mm. really. Um, yeah, I have no attachment to him as a character. Um, and then Piranha Plant, I think we were talking about this yesterday. Piranha Plant would be cool if they would have done that as one of the earlier ones and done the dragon-y guy from Samus. Yeah, so if if these characters were announced at E3 and they had Ridley, Simon, and King K. Rool released as the final few characters... People would lose their minds. I think, as Travis said in his email, like, internet-breaking announcement, that would have... Not broke the internet, but it certainly would have been a hell of a lot more exciting than what these three characters were. Yeah, you set the expectation high for all released characters. Mm-hmm. And I would say that would be disappointing. Or I, I'm cool with new characters. I just, they could have done better. No, I agree entirely. And so I think next they kind of went into like the spirits. Yes. And so this spirit system, I have this the Nintendo website open and I don't want to botch the, uh, the explanation here. So this is what they say on the Nintendo website. In the world of Smash Brothers Ultimate, many video game characters lose their forms and become quote-unquote spirits that serve as a power-up of sorts for players' main playable fighter. There is a massive number of wildly different spirits, ranging from Chibi-Robo to Dr. Wily to Tails to Revolver Ocelot, with a giant list of characters going on and on. Players can equip primary and support spirits to power up or add additional abilities like speed and strength to their fighter during battles. Mixing and matching spirits will help players get the upper hand against certain opponents, adding quite a bit of strategy to battles. Equipping a spirit is similar to equipping a charm or accessory in an RPG. It's a way for fighters to enjoy a massive amount of additional video game characters outside of selecting them as actual playable characters. So what are your thoughts? So for me, I, I think at face value, it's it's interesting. It's unique. But we don't need this in a Smash Brothers game. I think it just unnecessarily overcomplicates what makes the game as special as it is. The simplicity? Because we, I want to be able to call my dad downstairs or call my dad over and just for the fun of it at a Thanksgiving dinner, family is over, him pick up a controller and play Smash. Well, my main question was, if online battles, is it like some people have them equipped and some people don't? Exactly. What's the repercussions? Or like they're going into... Um, like you can do customized battle, like stages or types. Is it like no spirits or spirits? Like how that works? And I'm sure you can configure that in matches. But if you if you do configure it to be on and you're playing online, then it becomes less about the skill of you playing Smash Brothers and more about well, do you have your spirits equipped and have you leveled them up appropriately to be able to essentially just wreck other people online? Because if that's the case, I think that's just. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I mean, so for Marth, he's very much a speed character and attack. You could, defense for him wouldn't make a lot of sense. Um, I could see you're basically heightening the, I very much liken it to in Pokemon doing IVs and EVs. So you're customizing the stats that you want. But such a small population of people actually care or even do that type of stuff. Yeah, so I mean, it's not going to be for everyone. Yeah. And if you want to unequip every character's spirits or not do spirits at all, that's totally fine. Yeah. And it it, it really depends on how you're going to be playing the game. And if you're going to be playing just at home and you don't feel like getting into spirits, 
have every character not have them. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like going online or if you feel like let's collect things, like I thought it was interesting and like a really tanky Bowser could be a good counter to like a heavy hitter mm-hmm. or like a DK um, who could potentially like stagger you. Like those kind of combinations seem like a lot of fun. Um, it might be over cumbersome. I'm really optimistic about it. Um, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I do th- like collecting stuff. I don't. The real question that I have is there was a lot of or a few scenes where your actual character was leveling up. So I wasn't sure what that was or what mattered about that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it, I think it, at the bottom, at the end of the day, for me personally, I think it need, needlessly overcomplicates something that, at its very root, is relatively simplistic. Yeah, Smash Brothers. You know, so that that being the game. So, um, yeah, I'll be cautiously optimistic if it makes the game more exciting. I think it for me, it's gonna be more exciting to do it locally with you playing mm. against you or Lauren. Than it is like, oh sweet, I've got three different combinations of spirits. I've leveled up, you know, this one, this one, this one, and I, you know, I, I and I'm gonna go online and like wreck people because I've done yeah, that. Yeah, I might be like, look at this cool sticker spirit looking guy. Yeah, it I just got. looks. I for, leveled him up. I put him on my dude. A little bit stronger. You want to fight? Yeah, fight exactly. So it's not gonna be like I spent six hours making sure that I ground out this spirit to like level a hundred. Yeah, it, it's. It'll be less like Pokemon. It'll be more like, let's chuck this together and have a fun time. Yep. Um, so we kind of talked about the DLC already. That's going to be kind of carry on into like next year mm-hmm. um, and maybe even into early 2020 as far as these five new characters that they're going to be working on because they haven't even started working on them. Yeah. They don't even know who they're going to be yet. Um, well, I mean, that is what I'd be optimistic about because if so much hype was around that credible source, yeah. those could potentially be it. And they I think could listen to the... I don't know if there's backlash, but I, I'm guessing the internet relayed their disappointment. There was certainly a pretty significant audience that did that, yeah. So, I mean, hearing that we wanted these guys, Nintendo's not stupid, so I'd guess they'd reach out and see what the fans wanted. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, new Amiibo, I'm skipping over that because I think Ami- Amiibo are like irrelevant at this point. Yeah. Who, who really cares about those anymore? Um, if you do out there, I'm sorry, but... I think what the was days, the point of Amiibos originally? I never got any. You have like a little platform that you can put the Amiibo on and it like enhances gameplay functionality or something like that. Wasn't there one with Zelda where you like put a wolf on and it summons a wolf? Like Midna from Twilight Princess or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like I think the days of waking up super early in the morning and camping out at Target to get your Amiibo are long gone. Because yeah. that was a thing. There was like a, a, a year-long thing where... I mean, it was almost like every day was Black Friday. when I just stab a guy to get an Amiibo. Yeah, these Amiibo came out. It was just, I didn't get any of them, but the best um, groomsman gift I ever got was my buddy Tony got me the complete original set, I think, of 12 Amiibo, um, all in box. So, you know, Mario, Luigi, Yoshi, Zelda, um... Maybe not Zelda. It was essentially like the original characters that you could play in Smash. Mm-hmm. He got me all of those characters. Donkey Kong, Samus, Ness, Kirby. Yeah. yeah. Captain Falcon. Yeah. And uh, complete in the box. It was just amazing. That's really cool. And he was told me like leading up to the wedding, he was like driving 30 to 45 minutes outside of his hometown because he would call targets and essentially like, if this comes in, let me know. Keep it on hold. I'll come get it. I mean, it was absolutely bonkers that he did that for me. 
Yeah, so that, that's really cool. Tony, if you're listening, man, one, I miss you. We need to we need to catch up, and uh, thank you for that. So, I do like that they're starting the game off with those original characters. That that was another cool I, thing. I, I think that's that was awesome. Really cool because it's so exciting. It, it, there's very few things that compare to the excitement of when you perform some action or kill someone in the game, and it's like that essentially triggers uh, new challenger approaches. And you get the little outline, and you're like, I know exactly who that it's is. It's essentially like, who's that Pokemon in the Pokemon yeah. days? And and then you fight them on the stage, and beating them essentially unlocks them as a playable character. That's so exciting, and especially with 75 playable characters, unlocking all of those is just going to be such a treat. So I'm very yeah. excited that they chose that. Um, great design choice. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, you really get the nostalgia factor, which is something you want to play on in this kind of ultimate game. Absolutely. The combination of all of them. So the next thing I have is the adventure mode, World of Light. The next thing I have in the order of the video was the global online stuff. I don't I mean online. Playing online with people around the world. Like I am limited. excited about that because, yeah. I mean... I'm hoping my my internet connection should be fine. But like playing online, us playing locally, um, the D3DS wasn't capable of doing that. And I, I don't think you could play online with Wii. I don't know how that works. I think Wii U you could have, but whatever. No one got a Wii U. Yeah. So this will be fun to play online versus other people. And there was like a global smash power, which will be fun. And then you can like join an elite smash online. If I get Elite Smash, <laughs> I will let everyone know. Not only is it going to be the top header on my resume, but like... Oh, my business cards will have like <laughs> a little certification with Elite Smash. But like, hey, I'm Ryan. Nice to meet you, random supplier. Yeah. I'm an Elite Smasher. So <laughs> they're like, I don't know if we should call HR for that one. That sounds kind of... Yeah. A little sketch. A little sketch. Yeah. Um, he uh, Elite Smashed me <laughs> during this meeting. Um so the adventure mode World of Light, you know, there's this crazy, ridiculous, over-the-top cinematic that's, I think, a direct um, ripoff of in, uh, Marvel's Infinity War, or the Avengers Infinity War, because basically all the characters are on, like, this cliffside, and there's, like, a million master hands plummeting towards the Earth about to fight you. I remember that from Infinity War. Well, give me, <laughs> give me a break here. And everyone's like, hold your ground, you know, like, we got this. And, um... Then, like, this giant energy ball, like, sucks all of the master hands back into this orb. Things are getting crazy. And then it just starts, like, casting out all of this energy and essentially just wiping out all of the players and transporting to them to, like, this other realm. Well, I think that's where they get the spirits is from that. It's, yeah. like, everyone who isn't, like, the person in that who is the lone survivor, I think, is Kirby, right? Or I think yeah, that's Kirby. what the video said or showed. Um, but like essentially the spirits are the other people who were like other Nintendo characters who were sucked up by these beams of light. Yeah. And so it seems to play out like somewhat similar to subspace emissary where you go on these different, as you progress through the story, you of course come across different characters and, and fight them. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm sure as you progress through that, um, you'll get to unlock certain characters. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, I don't and know. there's different like spirit battles, like they can get new spirits, and there's, um, and it looked really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it reminded me of Mario Party almost the map layout. Exactly, that's kind of how I looked at it too. Yeah, it does look like that. Um, I never got into Mario Party, but it I really like the layout. That and almost Donkey Kong Country, how you have like almost the semi hub world, 
that you're on this little platform and then the next platform unlocks as you beat this one. Even a better one, Galactic Conquest on Battlefront. Yes. Too. Yes. That's kind of also what it reminded me of. Yep, I can I can see that comparison. Um No, I th- I think that'll be good. I th- I'm trying to remember adventure mode how that was handled on melee yeah it, w- it wasn't really similar i think adventure mode was you just play through like a bunch of characters yeah i mean well, like a bunch of battles. i don't think there was like a true adventure mode with like cinematics until the wii one with subspace emissary okay melee i think it was more just like a bunch of random challenges yeah no i'm i'm excited for that one i looked yeah no, i think it'll be fun um and then i think that you know they spent the rest of their time talking about things we'd expect like assist trophies um, yeah, so they have 59 assist trophies, and that's the assist trophies are the ones where, like, you call on the guy who shoots, like, squares at you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Or, like, the Nintendo dog. Yeah. I never liked assist trophies. I think they're pretty fun. I mean, it's a cool call out, but so, like, I don't know if you're a purist, but my, like, ideal fight is Final Destination, like, a flat stage, and it's 1v1. So it's like a purely like you're playing the characters versus the characters. It's like more skill instead of once you chuck in items, there's so much variability to the fight. It's more like how you handle your character and like how you react skill wise. When you chuck in a Nintendog who covers up the entire screen so it's you're not actually fighting. Some of that irritated to me a little bit. So I agree and I disagree. Yes, if it's like this hardcore Ryan, it's about to go down. Final Destination, you and I, 1v1, let's do this, no items, because that's a true test of Smash skill. <laughs> but I think if you are going to experience what Smash Brothers represents and what it's supposed to be, then you have eight-player Smash, you're at like Hyrule Castle, you got Pokeballs running all over the place, you got energy swords, bombs, t- timed mines, Smash, so you, Smash Balls. Do you like Smash Balls, the Smash Powers? I mean, I, again, if it's if I have eight people... Yeah, because it makes it that much more chaotic. Because at that point, it's like, I'm not so competitive that, like, listen, if I'm not in first place every time, then just screw this game. Like, even if, like, my grandma... Is that why you checked the controller at that one dude's face? That was Madden. That was a different story, all right? <laughs> yeah. um, I've matured since then. But no, yeah. but like, even if my grandma were to beat me because she unlocks, like, the smash ball... Then, it, then you chuck it at her face. Exactly. <laughs> then the dentures fall out, and then it's just a mess. That's why we don't talk to that one side of the family. Exactly. Yeah. No, but like that's the point. That's the thing that's what makes Smash so fun. Again, that recalls back to the pick up and anyone can play type mentality. And that's what I love about the game. But I agree what you're saying that like, yes, if I want to play Smash like competitively with my brother-in-law, then yeah, Final Destination, no items, let's go. Yeah, I, I just even with the when you're doing like 4v4, like just complete chaos, some of the like assist trophies seemed like unbalanced yeah so that was some of my irritant but like i've i've no problem with them in the game 59 of them seems like a lot yeah i I don't know how that compares but it yeah i think they said that was the most i mean they're going all out in this there's no doubt no doubt there was also a spectator mode um that i listed which I'd rather just play the game instead of spectate. I don't want to watch other people play. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed in melee. There was like fifty-one challenges. I really liked doing all those because at the end you did master hand and crazy hand, and then on the final destination stage to get it as an unlockable stage, it was Giga Bowser. I think it was Mewtwo and Ganondorf, mm-hmm. and. 
that was like the ultimate like could you do this and then you unlock the best stage final destination um and the way that they've set it up here they lay it out all the challenges like a comic book i think it's amazing and i was like freaking out because i i like i'm ocd so like collecting those things or going through this game that i know i'm gonna put a crap ton of hours in Seeing it like play out like you're unlocking cells of a comic book with all the characters in Smash. I think that's what I'm most excited about in this game. Mm-hmm. It's not the new characters, but is that. No, absolutely. How I think it's going to be a lot of fun. How laid out that's going to be. And like, I mean, they showed unlocking some of those and it looked really crisp. And I hope once you unlock all the, like, essentially like the little comic book cells. Um, like a scene or something. There's some kind of cinematic. Yeah, I think that'd be really yeah. neat, you know, just to kind of tie it all together. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, Nintendo DS when you uh, street pass someone, yeah, and you unlock like a puzzle piece, yeah, that's... and you go and you like you see this giant scene of like Fire Emblem or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping it comes out to be. Like it's a fat like they're fighting. I'd expect something. nothing less. Yeah. You know that just makes sense. So um, and see, let's see. We talked about DLC. Um, the prices are steep, um, but I will eventually buy them because i want all the characters yeah no absolutely um, um let's see mo fighters the different outfits oh the me fighters oh i guess i probably just typo yeah. yeah so the me fighters i do like that you can play for the um like what was it xenoblade 2 yeah that gear. was really cool there was the assassins from that new zelda game mm-hmm. with like the singular eye and like the curved blade I was I thought those characters were actually pretty cool, the Mii Fighters. Yeah, and especially if you can They're customize really their powerful. outfits. Yeah, I think it's pretty neat. Um, so I was excited about all the different outfits. Um, let's see, Piranha Plant. I think he should be in the game. He's very iconic. He's iconic, yeah. Uh, he's... Mario is the flagship IP of Nintendo. Yeah. And he's one of the... F- the plants in the pipes are like one of the most iconic villains. At that point, though, then I think it's... It, it's no question that the, one of the Koopa Troopas are going to be one of the, um, like the turtles. Yeah. Like that's probably going to be one of the DLC guys. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how they would do that. I'd rather have him than, than Piranha Plant, honestly. No, I agree. I really liked the um, PD Piranha though from Sunshine. Oh yeah. So that was a really cool scene that is a smash kind of saved what was almost disappointment mm-hmm. for that final character for the little expectations that I had. But I was like, maybe he can morph or like do a down B, like Zelda turned into Sheik, like do a down B into Petey Piranha and just go like ham yeah. on people. Um, so at least seeing a nod to him was cool. Um, adventure mode is going to be a lot of fun though. No, I mean, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to make parties really fun when we have a bunch of friends over just playing eight crazy eight player smash. And yeah, um, I think the first two weeks just like experiencing all the secrets and finding everything out, new stages, unlocking characters. unlocking characters, seeing how the story does play out and, you know, World of Light or whatever the heck it's called. It's going to be really fun. And it's going to be fun to talk about on the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to it. So are you going to just play the game and not look up like how to unlock characters? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to probably play the story, um, do challenges and stuff like that. And, Unlock as many characters as I can without looking anything up. And then if I'm still like, well, I'm still Mission Bayonetta and Cloud and all these other people. How do I unlock these people? Uh-huh. Then I'll look it up. Because I did the same thing with Melee. Um, and I think Brawl as well. Like, I just, I did as much in the game as I could to the point where it's like, well, I know there's still people to unlock. How do I do it? 
go to game facts and figure it out. Yeah. Um, because I just think it just makes it that much more rewarding when a challenger approaches unknowingly yeah. that that was going to happen. You freak, you definitely freak out. Yeah. I've lost some of those battles and you're like, oh no. Yeah. Like I have to do classic mode again. Yeah. I lost to Wolf. That's who it was. Wolf was really hard as a challenger approaches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's back, so I get to re-lose to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it'll be a good game. Yeah, but that's really all I had. Yeah, So I think the entire uh, coverage. Yeah, so if any of you uh, have thoughts about Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, like Travis, if you're kind of frustrated with the, the latest announcements, or if you just have specific memories. Oh, the one thing I did write down is the when you're doing team battles, making your teammate transparent. That's amazing. Like invisible? No, so like you're, you you get distracted on who's on your team mm-hmm. and they basically grade them out almost. Oh, so, so you, don't, you know don't go for them. Okay. And I thought that was a unique take on it. Like you can still see them fighting. They're still very much there, mm-hmm. but their their tone is dulled down a bit. That's pretty cool. So that you don't go after them or you don't get distracted by them. You're going purely after the other team. Nice. But yeah, so if you have any specific memories playing the game, feel free to share because it's fun to kind of reminisce together and just talk about um, some of your favorite memories playing the Smash Brothers games. We're greatly anticipating it December 7th for the Nintendo Switch and uh, should be a raging good time. Yeah. But thank you all for listening to episode 21 of Otaku Brothers. Again, if you want to write into the show, otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Also, the Discord link is in the show notes below. So definitely check that as well. We have um, some fun conversations going on in there. But, uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. And uh, we will see you all next week with a brand new episode of the show. Yeah, see ya. Bye.